Captain's Log, Stardate 75970.1. I'm Captain Britton. And I'm Captain Spencer. These are the voyages of the Starship Soyager, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where no one can punch the Welcome to the bridge. This is Soy Trek. The show where two Trekkies ask themselves on a weekly basis, Is Star Trek too woke? <laughs> uh, today we'll be discussing Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 1, Episode 10, A Quality of Mercy. And Star Trek Voyager Season 5, Episode 13, Gravity. But before we get into that, let's check in on what's new in the Trek universe. We got track news for you. Boy, this week oh boy. in Trek News. Congratulations to IDW Comics, who this week oh, yeah. will be publishing their 400th Star Trek comic. <laughs> wow. I want, uh, do you know anybody who's read all of them, all 400? No, no. I don't, I don't know anybody who reads IDW anything to my knowledge, to be honest. <laughs> I, I know some comic I, book I guys, some, but... I own some of them. I own some of the Star I Trek comics. I, anyone, I own the first issue uh, of the Star Trek Deep Space Nine series. What what year was that from? Ah, uh, I have no idea. So it was off probably the top of my when head. they were with either DC or Marvel. Um, so although not the original publisher of Trek comics, that was Gold Key Comics back in the sixties and seventies, followed by Marvel, then DC, then Marvel, then DC again. IDW uh-huh. has been publishing Trek comics and graphic novels since two thousand and seven. Uh, the comic will be a retrospective of some of the series uh, co- and the comic's best moments from a variety of different writers and illustrators. Oh, interesting. Okay, so they, wait, I, I guess I have misunderstood this story. Like, th- this is just the 400th issue from IDW Correct. since 2007? Yes. Oh, okay, I got yeah, you. I got they, you. they only took over Star Trek at, at uh at that point so there's there's thousands yeah. of star trek comics at this point um oh yeah yeah like each individual series uh when like dc and marvel both had them at which time like all of them did like a tng you know whatever was on at the time and uh totally all of them have at least like 80 to 100 and some comics so there's right there's a lot of star trek comic there's a lot of there. there's a lot of star trek comics out there maybe uh maybe we'll have to dive into some of that stuff one of these days that'd be uh, cool maybe not further in trek news <laughs> star trek discovery star Sonequa uh, martin green who plays michael burnham on the show has indicated she'd like to do more crossover episodes with other trek series uh, when asked oh. in an interview by Metro UK last week on the possibility of more crossovers, Martin Green said, quote, I am very much in support of crossover episodes and us getting an opportunity to work with some of the people whose shoulders we stand on, which is a nice sentiment, but uh, obviously sure. the timeline doesn't make any sense whatsoever. 
I mean, but Discovery doesn't really make well, any sense either. Well, here's here's the problem, because especially now that Discovery is back in its original timeline in the mid-23rd century, it's over 100 years from Deep Space Nine and even further from Picard. Yeah. Um, you know, it's <laughs> like, it's yeah, just, what are, it, what are, what yeah, are they going like, to do? They're going to they're gonna have to go in time travel in order to make that happen, but who knows? Yeah. Because they're really yeah. good at using time travel to uh, fuck up Star Trek at this point. So they can do fucking they anything. They don't give a fuck. They're just I like mean, that's that's true, but like just do it. Just you know, you know what they could also do, which what? I think could be great, is if they just maybe forgot about Discovery and just like we just pretended it didn't happen. Like we just never referenced it again. I, I'd be so just pretended it didn't happen. I'm not really for retconning much, but I'd be fine with them retconning all of Discovery. Like, <laughs> like if if you know, if only for the reason of the like the the. Discovery by its own self is so convoluted and weird and like insane that like anything else that it touches is like tainted by that just like nonsense. So I feel like, you know, maybe just let it be its own thing. Yeah, maybe. Uh, One thing is for certain, though, there are more crossovers on the way. On a recent episode of the after show, The Ready Room with Will Wheaton, Alex Kerman admitted to Will Wheaton that a Star Trek universe crossover was quote, inevitable. Uh, he said, uh, we don't know for sure exactly what, oh no, uh, we don't know for sure exactly what Kurtzman and co. have in mind, of course, but Smart Money says it'll involve the temporal war. Uh, mentioned uh. in both Enterprise and Discovery, the event was heavily referenced in season three of Discovery and seems like a pretty obvious way to get all the series characters to operate in concert. Uh. The temporal war sucked and nobody liked it i really hope they don't do that dude that sounds like exactly the sort of thing they would do no though. it does like, it does they probably they're will obsessed do with time travel they, they can't are. come up with any better ideas they're just like oh time travel which i mean time travel is it's cool, fine like, for one-off episodes when it's the yeah. only arc you have like i don't i no one liked that no one like, liked it, was the, it no one liked it when they did it in fucking enterprise which is why the fourth season is the best because they just gave up and nobody liked it when they did it in picard for season two no no, no, terrible. One, no one loved. No one likes that shit. Like, just, just no. go, fucking, go through space. Come on, please, just go through space. Yeah, yeah, please. Final frontier and all that. Indeed. And uh, finally, <laughs> in Trek news, uh, William Shatner has a fan-funded documentary about him coming out, directed <laughs> by Andre O'Felipe, the director of The People vs. George Lucas. It is interesting, according to the director of uh, the director of the film, where. William Shatner takes off the countless masks he's been he's worn throughout his storied career to reveal the man behind one of the most recognizable faces in the world. Speaking about the okay. project, Shatner said in a statement, uh, quote, For years, I've had people approaching me to do a documentary about my life, but I turned them all down because it didn't feel like the right fit. Alexandre and I hit it off right away, and when I heard how Legion M, the production company, wanted to incorporate audiences to be part of it, it was perfect. Fans have been responsible for my career. It only seems right that they should own this documentary. The film is set to premiere later this month at Comic-Con. I wonder what watching a full movie at Comic-Con is like. I mean, just like watching a movie anywhere, I guess, except you're sitting in like folding chairs. Yeah, and you like paid a lot of money and waited in a big long line yeah, and to like, like furries be there. there and shit. Yeah, it smells like ball sweat. 
Yeah. Axe body spray. <laughs> Some guy's jerking off and wow. they're doing flashlight checks. You know, you, you know, I don't know. Maybe not in that room, but in one of those rooms. Oh, yeah. Sure. There's someone jerking off somewhere, but. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're watching the, the like the anime titty. They're in the anime titty right, room. Right, right. They're, they're yeah. not watching the, the, the lights. Don't get turned off in the hentai room. Like oh, no. lights stay on. No, especially yeah. They gotta <laughs> turn on the fucking black light. And yeah, it'll, it'll be like a Jackson Pollock painting. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's no. that's why they can't have the lights go out. Yeah, it's like. It's like that movie Pitch Black, except oh, it's yeah. like instead of like an alien hunting you in the in the in the night, mm-hmm. it's a bunch of dudes in in you know uh, Marvel t-shirts jerking off. Sounds like my birthday party. <laughs> Speaking of my birthday party, uh, you want to <laughs> do you want to get into the new Star Trek for this week? Let's do it. All right, we got a new and the final episode of the season of Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds on the Enterprise with Captain Pike. We'll tell you how it goes and if it blows. If it sucks, we'll be screaming. Oh boy! Season <laughs> one, episode ten of Strange New Worlds, the wow. the, the season finale. Season finale. You know, I didn't actually know this one was going to be the season finale until I looked it up oh, today, yeah. and yeah, I, I thought there ten, were more nope, than uh, ten episodes. Ten season. episodes, but no, no and, uh, ten episodes for this. I want to say they're they're doing the same thing with Discovery this season. They're only giving it ten episodes instead of thirteen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one's uh, called A Quality of Mercy, uh, released today, July seventh, twenty twenty two. This yeah. one's written by uh, co-showrunners Henry Alonzo Myers, best known as the showrunner for The Magicians, and Akiva oh. Goldsman, best known as the writer of Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, The Da Vinci Code, and <laughs> Angels and Demons. The screenplays, <laughs> not the books. I actually watched The Da Vinci Code, or at least part oh, of The Da Vinci it's Code not recently. Good. It's not well, good. Well, I, I wanted to see it. It's you know, I wanted good. to see I've part seen of it. it. Oh, it's not dude, good. Uh, fucking Tom Hanks in that movie is so boring. Mm-hmm. He is like, he is his worst performance I've yeah. ever seen. Like, it's, Tom it, Hanks is typically enjoyable, but in that role, you know what the Robert is? Langdon role, he yeah. is the most boring man. You know what that movie is? Is It's a really boring version of National Treasure. Yeah, except like I really do like the guy that like loves Jesus so much that he like whips himself yeah. in the back a bunch and like True. wears like is, a the wears like some, always he, kinky. He has this like uh this like band of spikes that he wraps around his leg and oh, like cuts cool. himself every day. It's it's so badass. It's very black that's, metal. That's very goth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah cutting definitely. Yeah. He wears cloaks and shit too. Like mm. he's like legit a goth. Like and so it's it's kinda hard to hate that bad guy. Even yeah. though he is going around doing bad shit, you know. Anyways. Uh yeah, and then uh, this one was directed by Chris Fisher, uh Fisher rather, uh who directed several episodes of Person of interest and also oh. the magicians. Person so, of interest. It was obviously, sucks, but it is on... competently made. It's mm. competently made, but never, it's bad. Never heard of it. Really. It's bad. Yeah. I've watched all. I think all of the seasons of Person of Interest. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Anyway, let's get into the episode. Uh, we bet we begin on a shot of what appears to be some sort of mining or resource extraction colony, and we get a captain's log it says. Pike says, uh, Captain's Log, Stardate 1457.9. The Enterprise is on the edge of the neutral zone, a narrow band of space separating the Romulan Empire from the Federation, a remnant of a treaty from 100 years ago when a destructive war was waged between our two cultures. Enterprise and the USS 
Kayagua are here to help the outposts that guard the neutral zone with much needed retrofitting and supplies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next, we see Pike cooking some leftover spaghetti in a cast iron pan. Captain Battelle, who I didn't recognize at first, but uh, you might remember her as the girl he was making breakfast for yeah, in yeah, episode yeah. one, in the very, like, one of the very first scenes of, oh, of the totally. show. I mean, they, they did, in the recap, they call that scene out. Oh, so really? That's I, why I, I, was I like... never watched the recap. Uh, and so I, I did not know that uh, until I was like, I feel like. She looks like on, but not. And I feel like I recognize her. And I looked it up, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, shit." Uh, she's the one Pike presumably boned, but we don't know yeah, for no, certain. Yeah, no, he boned her. He boned. We her. don't know for certain. We, there's uh, no mean, proof. But Pike only has one on the board still this season. It's, it's only implied. one on the board. It's implied. It's implied, but not heavily enough for me to put another one on the board. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. Uh, Pike. Pike still is tied with Spock. One in one for getting it done, baby. Um, <laughs> so next we see Pike. Uh, yeah, he's cooking. He's cooking some uh, pasta, uh, some spaghetti, cast iron pan. Don't know why do they have cast iron in the future? Why that, not? Why? Why not? <laughs> I mean, why? That's a better yeah, question. That's a it's good like, point. I mean, figure, it's a fun thing to cook on. I get you know? they 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 have to have like a material at that point though that is like has better heat distribution. Yeah. Like yeah, you don't have to be a dick weight. about cleaning it yeah, and shit, you know. Easier to clean. Yeah, yeah there, there's surely some, like I like the novelty of a cast iron pan, and I'm sure he does too. Like his fucking fireplace and his fucking whiskey and shit. But like, come on, oh yeah, come on. You don't you don't need that. Um, nah. So anyway, so Captain Battelle, uh, who we presume he's having sex with, um, comes in and says they already had spaghetti last night, and Pike says he's making pasta mama which is just yeah. uh, leftovers with egg and Parmesan on it. And he says it's a whole new dish, which is a lie. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> no, that's still like noodles with like stuff on it. Like yeah, it's you, not really it's, a it's new it's dish. It's still just it's spaghetti, weird. man. Like you just, it's a different sauce. Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah. Um, I suppose it, I mean, I, I don't think with food replicators that they'd like have leftovers, right? They just like put it back in the replicator and it'll recycle yeah. it. Yeah. Why, why no, do they have leftovers? That's why, like, nobody does dishes on DS9. Like, there's, yeah. there's no dishes to do. But but Pike loves doing dishes and making Spock do dishes, which is the thing. Okay. Anyway, um, I kind of like that they hook him up with another captain, uh, somebody of his rank and not under his command. And like, yeah, that's anyway. true. And it, and it leads to that scene at the end, too, mm -hmm. where they're like... yeah. Yeah, Where, it, it makes yeah, sense, we, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, so yeah, uh, it gives a little more gravity to that scene. Yeah, later I, I on. really appreciate that though, because you know, in my opinion, you can never really have a fully consensual relationship with your boss. Like at work, if your boss asks you to do something, yeah, are they asking you or are they telling you to do it? Because like it, it's yeah. always under threat of you losing your livelihood, which is like that's not an asking that's a, situation. That's an a power imbalance. Yeah, it's a weird amount of power to have over somebody or have over you. Yeah, so it's really weird. So I, I think it's just like never cool to do that. And so I'm glad that like you know it's another captain. They have the same job. That that's great. Love that because he definitely seems like someone who would like fuck around at work, but he's he's doing it in the right ways so far. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Anyway, so uh, Captain or sorry, uh, Captain Battelle compares making leftovers to what the Federation is doing with the outposts, which I thought was a comparison. <laughs> uh, she says, 
that she's heard rumors the Romulans are making new weapons, to which Pike responds that the Romulans are the boogeymen, and nobody's ever seen one, but they still get blamed for everything that goes awry in the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Battelle says she misses Pike's beard, and Pike says he felt like it belonged to a different era of captain. Uh, Battelle says she thought he was going for a man enough time thing, and Pike has a good chuckle at that. She asks him how he's holding up, and he says somebody told him he had better places to be, so that's where he's trying to be, in better places. And by better places, like all up in that pussy. Yeah, probably. All up in that pussy. Like, I mean, it's implied. It's implied. Uh, like, they, I mean, at least until the end of this episode, they'd be banging. Yeah. Do you think Battel yeah. is into Scatel? Probably not. Yeah, me neither. I, I it's feel pretty like, rare. I feel like I, mean, I, feel like I, don't, I don't think most most people are yeah, into do, that. Do you think you know? in the future we still have scat fetishes? Do you think it's like a bigger community or smaller community? Like I mean, capital? bigger, but bigger by virtue of simply there being more hum- humanity. You know, like well, the I more mean, not just humanity, are, but like right. aliens. Like you got to imagine mm. there there has to be like some alien that just has like really nice poop, right? That humans are just <laughs> yeah. like. That smells. This is like fresh baked snickerdoodles, you know. That would that would be fucked up. Wouldn't that yeah, be fucked I mean, up? Like, that probably does exist. I mean, I imagine in the future though, like the the a more prevailing like kind of fetish is going to be like humans wanting to fuck aliens, right? Like that's <laughs> definitely going to be the thing. Yeah, definitely. But here's here's and my their idea. poop, fucking their a, poop too. A, a universal translator for smells, and so like, <laughs> so you always like. like it smells like shit, and they're like, "Oh, that's alien shit." It's supposed to taste like fucking cotton candy, but uh, you know, th- thanks to the uh, the smell translator, yeah, we yeah, know, make we sure know that better. you don't eat it. We yeah, know better. You don't want to eat it. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, you know, giving cats antifreeze. You know what? <laughs> uh, cat, cats and dogs apparently think antifreeze is sweet, and so now oh, they no. put like certain chemicals in it to like prevent them from drinking it because people. I thought that was humans. No, I mean. Well, because cats can't taste sweet, they they lack the receptors in their their tongues to be able to taste sweet. Oh yeah, well they they, they, sweet they like drinking it though, and so they put some kind of astringent in it to where cats don't like drinking it now. That's nice. That's Cause, good. Cause yeah, I mean, we reason... should probably do that with humans. I would guess. You know, I I think a cooler idea though would be like a, a universal universal translator for sex, like you and whatever. They they already race. have that. That's in um fucking Demolition Man. That's the helmets that they put on. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, yeah. do you think the um the eugenics war and the the fast food wars do you think they're kind of the same thing or the same thing? I thought they were the same thing this whole time. Like I, 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 you're I mean, kind they, of blowing they, my mind they that that's not around the, case. the same time. So I assume like yeah, you know, right? apples I mean, to you apples, hear, right? You hear the like the the fast food wars and you immediately think like oh yeah the eugenics wars obviously yeah, right? it, that, that just tracks for me. Hell yeah. Hell anyway, yeah. so um. Mattel tells Pike she has some place to be on another end of the neutral zone. Pike says he's making also Buko next week if she's interested. And she's absolutely interested. Yeah, in that she is. Dick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next we go uh, to a conference room and uh, let's see. Uh, Spock, Una, and Pike are speaking with a bald dude who it turns out is a guy named Hansen Alsala who. Um, is from a uh, TOS episode called Balance of Terror. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's actually one of the best episodes easily. 
of I have. TOS. It's a great Th- episode. This episode is like a riff on that episode. In it's a, it's pretty much in many a dir- ways. It's a direct rewrite. And so yeah. I, I noticed some of the same beats. So I actually went back and watched the entire episode of Balance of Terror today. And mm-hmm. it is a direct rewrite. There's probably two dozen lines in there that are lifted directly from the original, which is kind of awesome because yeah, yeah. they play it off super well. And I, yeah, I really liked this episode. I thought yeah, it was really good. It was I think a great it's like episode. one of the one of, if not the best episode they have done. So Honestly, like it's uh, it's really strong. I also really liked uh, Spock Amuck, which was a pretty yeah. much a rewrite of another uh, TOS episode. And so, like, mm-hmm. maybe that's just the thing they should do is like you know find ways to work in other TOS because it's working for them. And like mm-hmm. whenever they do that, they've done it well. Uh, and I've liked it as a fan of TOS occasionally and, yeah. you know, not a fan of New Trek. Um, so mm-hmm. they're definitely mm-hmm. doing something right, I think. And also, like, with this episode in particular, like, they really focus on the one story and they just tell mm-hmm. the one story yeah. Yeah, really, that, really, really well. And, and they, like, they did that on the last episode with a Gorn, too. Mm-hmm, and, they did. And yeah. I thought that was also a really strong episode. Yeah. And, and the uh, other Gorn episode, I think, was also just basically one contiguous story. Uh, yeah. Oh, actually, right. Yeah. I actually well, uh, tweeted yeah. at the um, the writer of those episodes, Davy Perez, of the two Gorn mm-hmm. episodes, and uh, yeah, he liked my thing and responded. Really nice. Real nice of him. That's awesome. Yeah, I said he was doing a good job. Hell yeah. He's doing a good job. Good job, Davy Perez. <laughs> <laughs> Next, yeah. uh, let's see. So um, the guy Hanson Alsalal, uh, who runs one of the outposts, is being all pissy about supply chain problems to Pike. Una and Spock, and Una says that they're uh, getting matter synthesizers in fully automated mining crafts on all of the outposts. Pike asks how that sounds, and Hansen Alslaw says it sounds like what he's been asking for for the past five years. Uh, I don't know where some bratty kid just enters the room uh, wearing like a snowboarding outfit. Mm-hmm. It's a really distracting, stupid outfit, and uh, uh, Hansen Alslaw says he's working. But the kid just wants to meet Captain Pike. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hanson Al-Salah apologizes in that his son, Ma'at, which is the worst retelling of Matt ever. I hate it so much. Um, <laughs> has always dreamed of joining Starfleet. Pike asks what his name was again. And it's Ma'at, to which Pike repeats, Ma'at Al-Salah. And mm-hmm. Pike's hearing like goes away like a tinnitus kind he start, of. He starts having a, a flashback. Yeah, or yeah. A flash forward, technically. Yeah, a, a yeah. flashback so, nonetheless. Yeah, so he excuses having himself a moment. saying he's feeling under the weather, which is a weird uh, expression to have in space because space doesn't like have weather. Yeah. Right? Kind of yeah, weird. I guess. I guess. Yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. I, just, I just thought, I'm like, huh, that's a weird expression for them to still have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he defers the rest of the meeting to Una and Spock. Una follows him out of the room and says that Ma'at al-Salah was one of the names that he mentioned in connection with his uh, big mishap in the future when he gets crispified. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, he I, gets more, like, melted, I think, than I anything. I mean, it's, like, it's a lot of things. Like, he gets yeah. his legs blown off, he can't walk anymore, and he's got, like, radiation burns on most of his body. It's radiation burns, really, uh, which yeah. is why they can't repair him is because, like, the radiation or some shit. I don't, I don't remember. So that's just, that's a thing. It's bad. Yeah. Um, so Una asks Pike what he's going to do, and Pike says he doesn't know, but he has to do something. Next we see Pike uh, 
stalking Matt's fake, uh, Maat's Facebook in his quarters for all intents and purposes. He's like looking at his profile and stuff. I'm like, that's weird to do with a kid, right? That's weird. Mm-hmm. It's like looking at a child's files is just weird. Um, <laughs> he asks the computer to dictate something and he starts leaving a warning to Maat, but he's interrupted by the ghost of his future self wearing like yes. the really cool uh, Star Trek the motion picture uniforms. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, like, speaking of which, that costume, it, this yeah. is the first appearance of that costume. I in think in New ep- Trek, right? It, well, in New Trek, definitely. But it is the first appearance since, uh, I have it pulled up here. Um, Probably Generations? Or- it is actually Star Trek Voyager episode Flashback. Oh, which is uh, season three, episode o- episode two. I actually so, don't remember that. Yeah, maybe. which is like that's, that's cool. a that's a long time since I mean, that, that is episode, probably what, it, like ninety five six something like that. Uh, ninety six. Yes, correct. Uh, oh my god, what? Brit! Do what? you know when that episode aired? September eleventh, nineteen ninety six. Oh, Look at five, that. Five years before. That's probably what <laughs> what caused. It. That's probably why they chose the date, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, they're like, this one's for the Marquis. Um, so, boom, opening credits. This is like one of the shortest cold opens the show has ever had. It's just six minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a good boom. cold open. We're into it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And I love that it's a it's a Pike episode. It's all about him. It is. He's I mean, great in it. He's yeah, very I mean, the, like. I feel like that's probably something they're going to do for the uh, the season premiere and the season finale every time. Which makes sense because I mean Pike is the real pivotal part of the story here, and his struggle with uh, getting burnt in the future is kind of a thing they come back to. But they've been doing it pretty tastefully. Like they have, they have. It's been uh, it's been pretty good. Like this episode is very good. Like the the drama in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Everything, every honestly, like pretty much everything in this episode works. There is one line that I didn't like, and I'll explain that when it comes up, but like mm-hmm. even the lines that were kind of soy and sarcastic were still fine just given the context of how they were spoken and their delivery. Mm-hmm. Anyway, come back from opening credits. Uh, so the real Pike, the present Pike, is very skeptical of future Pike and says he knows better than to trust somebody who just shows up and says he's him from the future. Which makes a lot of sense in a Star Trek context. Like, Definitely. never never trust, like, a clone of yourself until you get a lot more information. Because it is probably an evil clone. We don't know. But yeah, it happens or, a lot more yeah, often Or it's not. just, like, a trick somebody's playing on you for some reason. Maybe right. you're trapped on a planet and somebody's mm-hmm. playing weird games with you by right. making you think that you're it's, on the Enterprise. It's probably some sort of crystalline entity fucking around. There you go. And, it's, you know, it's always a crystalline entity. You never trust fucking crystalline entities. They're all no. motherfuckers and bitches and snitches, I've heard, mm-hmm. too. You never, or it's never. or it's Q. It's a Q fucking with you. Uh, you know, it could, it could is, be all is sorts Q of a crystalline entity? I mean, no, but because we don't, we don't ever be. see Q's actual form. He could be exactly right. Yeah, he could be. Does Q have like a natural state and form? Because like when they actually show like the Q land, it's like uh, the American Civil War because they're having a civil war, and they're like, you couldn't comprehend what we actually look like. Maybe so. that's what happened to Q when he died at the end of Picard. He just became a crystalline entity. Interesting. Maybe that's what happens when Qs die. Oh, and then and then they're basically just as powerful. They just have to stay in one place like that fucking nebula yeah. or a crystalline entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sucks. Wow. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so uh, Future Pike tells Present Pike about 
his first pony named Sir Nasalot, who had to be mm-hmm. put down. You think which, that's a Sir Mix a Lot joke? Um, no, I think it was a take on Sir Lance a lot more. But yeah, yeah, because I mean these these writers are kind of oldish. You know, the younger the younger ones are in their thirties, so. It's probably going to be a Lancelot. I don't know. Well, I guess what? like the dude. Yeah, like, I mean, Sir Mixalot. That was thirty years ago. That was literally, years ago. His his first hit was thirty years ago. Like literally. I mean, his only hit was thirty years ago. Maybe thirty. Maybe twenty eight or something. But still, yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah, early nineties. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um, it's been around a while, man. Anyway, so 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 Pike believes him, but you know, I expect them to make. I expect the uh, the references they make to be like more ancient and Shakespearean because those are the ones that usually stick in Star Trek. I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, but Nasalot doesn't even sound like Mixalot. Nasalot doesn't even sound like Lancelot. It's a pretty bad name, mm-hmm. but it was supposed to be funny, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's Sir Mixalot. I- I'm sticking to it. It was a baby. They were thinking about baby got back. A pony got back. Uh. Uh, so future Pike tells. Uh, present pike i guess uh the letter he's dictating is going to wreck the future uh present pike asks how and future pike says that present pike is trying to save the two cadets and himself and he does write letters to them in the future and they are saved but with some very unforeseen consequences pike says that uh evidence or pike says that future pike is evidence that he was successful in saving himself but Future Pike says that is the problem. Damn. Yeah, it's it's pretty good dialogue. Like Pike is good at talking with himself. The uh the yeah. aging makeup they use here is great. Yeah, it's like, it's it's a solid scene. Like there's mm-hmm. they have a good back and forth, and like yeah. I feel like the stakes are set pretty well. Um sorry, hang on one sec. Hi. Sorry. Uh, um so yeah i feel like the stakes are set pretty well and then um they're just they got a good they got a good thing going uh him and himself those two pretty good together one pike pretty good too even better pikes is great yeah we love two pikes i mean like that's one thing that star trek has always done really well is actors acting opposite themselves Mm. you know Um, or just playing a different version of themselves True, true, but often they interact with like other versions of themselves, and I always like when that happens. Like Data Lore is always fun. Thomas Riker is, mm-hmm. is a blast. Oh yeah, uh, you know, yeah, we always we always have fun with that. Definitely. Uh, so Future Pike explains uh, that the letter that uh, Present Pike is writing is just a domino in a chain of events that leads to catastrophic results. Then mm-hmm. uh, Present Pike tells his future self he sounds like a Klingon monk from Boreth. And Future Pike asks, who do you think sent me? Which oh. I love the tie-in to the monks at Boreth because with the time crystals and shit, like there's a couple great episodes about that in DS9 and I think TNG. Um, wonderful stuff. Great, great tying it in there. Uh, Future Pike pulls out a box and says, the monks gave him something to show his past self. And guess what the fuck it is? Time crystal, baby. Yeah, and we love a time crystal. If they're well, gonna do... we were just complaining about time travel in Star Trek. But... No, no, but time crystals are cool because they're not actually time travel, really. And it's you know, it's, it's some ghost of future past kind of kind of shit. 
Yeah, well, it, yeah. it shows them like what actually happens. Yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah. a different thing than actually fundamentally changing the future and the timeline mm-hmm. and retconning it just, shit. It shows it's like, you. It shows you what yeah. could be. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, Future Bike says it will show him the effects of changing his fate. Mm-hmm. He calls it serious end of the world stuff. And he says showing uh, present Pike the future is better than the alternative the Klingons had, which was killing Pike with a batleth, which yeah. would have been a pretty sick scene as well. I, it also but, would have been pretty cool. Just anybody I, I, really getting got with a batleth is pretty tight. Yeah, it's, we love that. Unfortunately, we I don't think we've ever seen like a brutal murder with a batleth, and I would like Not that yet. at some point. Not yet, yeah. Um, I we'll mean, get there. Yeah, season two uh, of this show is supposed to have fucking Klingons and uh, you, you know it's you, been you know what also so is going to have Klingons what's that is season three of Star Trek Picard interesting well because uh, Worf's coming back Michael oh, yeah, Dorn sure. baby so you said Klingons that's one Klingon well you get one maybe you'll get more we'll see I don't we'll know um, so Pike touches uh, present Pike touches the time crystal and is suddenly in what looks like a cargo bay, and he soon figures out he's marrying two people, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually um, in a, like a they. He starts out on a speech that is like word for word exactly what happened in uh, uh, what's the uh, uh, Balance of Terror, yeah, which is it's pretty awesome. Like they they use that really well. Like they actually use the exact same like two characters that are getting married and everything like that. So totally. Uh, if if you've seen Balance of Terror, you will suddenly kind of realize that hey, this is basically the exact same thing that happened on Balance of Terror, but Pike is in Kirk's shoes now. Um, yep. and it, it kind of goes to explain that a, a little more here. So, mm-hmm. um, Pike has no idea who the people are he's marrying and starts kind of stumbling over what he's saying when suddenly a red alert is called, much to Pike's relief. Uh, Spock calls Pike and says they're under attack by an unidentified vessel. Pike gets to the bridge and asks Spock what's up, but he defers to Ahura for a briefing. Ahura says Outpost 4 was under attack and then the message terminated. Outposts 2 and 3 are also unresponsive. Ortega says they're 8 minutes from Outpost 4. Ortega postulates that it's the same attackers, the Romulans. Um... Interesting kind of point of fact here. So in TOS, like Ortega's uh, place is taken by some other guy who dies like during the episode. Some guy who uh, whose family was in the Romulan War and died during it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and and she actually and so that guy's super aggro against the Romulans during that episode, and Ortega's like doubles that and like expresses his anger and says some of his lines actually, which is kind of interesting. That is kind of interesting. Because uh, I, I thought she was acting a little bit unreasonable in here, but after watching Balance of Terror, I'm like, oh my god, they just like lifted the same line. So I, I kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, uh, Ortega postulates that it's the same attackers uh, from the outposts, the Romulans. Pike says he'd rather not make guesses to avoid war if possible, and calls for Spock to join him in the ready room. Oh, yeah. In the ready room. Pike tries to tell Spock he's been transported into the future via a time crystal, and Spock suggests he might be compromised mentally. Which, fair assumption. There's a lot of mental compromising going on in Star Trek, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, Spock's right to be skeptical for the same reason Pike is being skeptical of his future self. Definitely. 
Uh, Pike suggests a mind meld so Spock will know he's not lying. Spock agrees and does a mind meld and sees all the shit, including like Spock's future and shit like that. Uh, Spock says that Pike carries the weight of a terrible future. Uh-huh. Spock then says that the accident in question happened six months ago, the, uh, the Pike getting burned, and there were no cadets around to save, so the incident had never happened. And so basically now we're seeing um, that Pike is in the exact same situation as Kirk was in the episode Balance of Terror. However, Pike was never fucked up, and so he's still captain of the Enterprise at this point, which is cool. You know, it's cool. a really yeah. cool way to play with the timeline, play with a, a former episode, you know, and just recycle material. Work, works for me. Yeah, at least they're, you know, they're pulling from good stuff. And they, and yeah. they leave a an interesting enough hook and, like, kind of narrative around this dealing with just, like, Pike and his, like, accepting of getting fucked up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, accepting fate is a big, big theme in this guy. That's the theme, yeah, for yeah. sure. I would agree. So uh, Pike asks for Spock's help, saying he was sent forward to this moment in time for a reason, as this moment is a pivotal moment when everything hangs in the balance. Mm-hmm. Spock says, in the, quote, prime future, some other captain of the Enterprise must have commanded it differently, which would have been Kirk. So mm-hmm. it is imperative that he not change what he would do. Pike asks, aren't they trying to prevent this future? And Spock responds that they are trying to discover why this future is worse. So Pike agrees that they must live the terrible future, which is a cool, lot, very logical scene. Like liked everything about that. Yeah. yeah. I liked it too. Uh, I thought it was good. Like, it, like him like talking to Spock and like kind of convincing him of like, yo, this is real, but I'm not like compromised. Like I need mm-hmm. like, we just need to figure out what's going on. And then Spock kind of like logically agreeing. It was good. Yeah, I mean, after cool. the mind meld, he, he can't really have any doubts. Right? That's true. That's true. Yeah, mind meld kind of doesn't. Yeah, Spock mind melds twice in this episode, or is it just the once? I don't uh, remember. Just, just the once. I think you're thinking of the end of this, the other episode we watched. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the Enterprise suddenly comes out of warp, uh, just out of weapons range from Outpost Four, and although there is debris, there is no sign of an attacker. Pike asks if there's any Federation backup in the area, and Uhura says La'an ship is closest. The Enterprise is hailed, and it's bald dude again. Hansen all Salah. Um, it's bald dude again. Bald dude. <laughs> fucking going to complain about his fucking supply chain again. So yeah. he says uh, Outpost 2, 3, and 8 are gone, yeah. and they don't know who did it, and they disappeared instantly after attacking. Hansen appears not... Uh, Sorry, Hanson appears on the view screen, and his shit is totally fucked. Dude, he is fucked. Yeah, he says they were hit by a crazy weapon with fantastic power. He says, like, they're in the middle of a fucking asteroid that's, like, 99% iron, and this fucking weapon just tore right through their asshole. Um, he says something is suddenly on their sensors, and the Enterprise goes to visual just as a Romulan shit comes out of cloaking. A Romulan shit? A Romulan shit, big old duty in space. Uh, so, uh, a turd of prey, am I right? <laughs> hey, there you go. Uh, yeah, so there Enterprise tries hailing them, and they don't respond. The Romulans don't respond, and they just blow the shit out of the outpost. And yeah, then they, they go do. back into cloaking. So, Ortegas is like, we have to engage, uh, which is like what the fucking guy in the original TOS episode said. 
But Pike says they have nothing to follow. Suddenly they have an incoming warp signature and they're being hailed. Thankfully, it's the Farragut. On ship. Farragut? Farragut. 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 Um, So they're being hailed by the captain who is, guess what? None other than James T. Kirk. They got some guy who like is best known for the Vampire Diaries to do it. You know, this was the one thing I didn't like about this episode. I'm, I, don't, I don't really like I don't the guy playing was, Kirk. He was, he, yeah, he's he's cast fine, he's but he's not a casting where fine. I'm like, yeah, that's a great casting. He was fine. Yeah, he um, was fine. Was um, fine. I, 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 yeah, I was not that impressed with his performance. He was fine. He didn't feel okay. Here's my problem. Here's my problem with the the guy playing Kirk. My only problem with him is that the guy playing his brother is so much more charming than him, which I really I feel like should not You're be right. the case. So, so this guy lacks a lot of charm, and he's more just like kind of a hothead. And yeah, he's just kind of a which, dick. Which Kirk is a little bit of a hothead and a slightly a dick, but more in like a misogynist way. And, but um, he's more charming about it, at least. He's definitely more charming. Yeah, yeah like so. this guy isn't that charming. Like, he's fine. However, like, I don't however, hate him, but yeah. Question, though. Yeah. Is is he not quite as charming because he doesn't have command of the Enterprise? Because this is a different future. This is a different future. So there's a lot that can happen. There's a lot that can happen in six months, Spencer. A lot that can happen in six months, Spencer. Yeah, a lot. Wow. Okay. Uh, I would have. I would have actually really liked them to have had uh, Chris Pine in here. That would. Oh, that would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been really cool. He he plays a great. A fantastic Kirk, I'd say. Oh yeah, he's he's like, he's, very, he's honestly he's so charming. He's he is. He's he's, a, he's almost a better Kirk. He might be a better Kirk than than William Shatner. I just oh don't man, know. somebody's gonna be mad at you for saying that. I don't give a fuck. It's a spicy <laughs> opinion. Yeah, Star Trek um, Beyond is good. Yeah. Anyway, so Kirk says uh, he's there for assistance and asked who did this blow up job. Uh, Spock says he might have a clue on how to follow it is they had a cloaking device, but they uh, still had a detectable gravitational presence. So by detecting the micro lensing of background stars, they could have its approximate location, which is some real techno babble there. Yep. Uh, Spock postulates that the cloaking takes a massive amount of energy. So the ship probably doesn't have enough power to run their scanners, which I didn't like at first, but this dialogue is taking taken almost directly from uh, Balance of pow- uh, Terror. So oh, I'm like, okay, that's fair. Nice. Because uh, I wrote here, uh, why didn't they just like add more power or have like a separate engine for something, you know, but uh, whatever, that's fine. Yeah, if they whatever. took it from the original, that that works for me. It's, fi- it's a 50-year-old episode. The dialogue isn't going to hold up great. So if they're recycling it on this episode for continuity's sake, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so Spock says uh, that the Romulans are headed towards the neutral zone. Uh, Ortegas repeats her assurance that it's the Romulans and urges Pike to attack, uh, echoing uh, the crewman on the uh, James T. Kirk Enterprise. Yep. Pike says they can't go into the neutral zone as that's a declaration of war. Ortegas argues with him and Kirk interrupts to say he has another option, shadowing the ship and following their same course to buy them some time, which is, again, lifted directly from Balance of Terror. Pike agrees with this and has Ahura send a message asking to fuck with the Romulans, asking the Federation if they can fuck with the Romulans, rather. So uh, 
which is weird. It's weird that they have to like ask to like fire on a ship that is already blown up a bunch of Federation shit. Like what? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, that is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like they usually don't have to ask to engage in battle, but I guess like they haven't seen the Romulans in a hundred years. This is something like super diplomatic, and they can't just like declare war. Totally. Um, like they, so. They, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pike pages Sam Kirk to come talk to him immediately about his brother. Uh, in the ready room, Sam tells Pike about his brother, Mister Captain Kirk. He says he's highly skilled and competent, but not above relying on charm or luck to get results, which is weird because he's not charming in this episode. Uh, Pike says he sounds like a wild card, and Sam says, a whole deck of them, which not a great line. Uh, Pike asks mm-hmm. if he should be worried that he's going to start a war. Sam says, although his brother's a huge pain in the ass, he's as fine of a captain as Starfleet has. Yep, that's true. He does yep. say that. Up on the bridge, her relays to Pike that there's a comet ahead whose trail is, or sorry, whose tail is reflecting a signal on an unused EM frequency that might be from the enemy ship. Spock de-encrypts it, and it's a video from the Romulans, which is once again taken like directly from uh, Balance of Terror. Mm-hmm. Uh, note this is the first time anybody in Starfleet has ever seen a Romulan. They watch the video and see that the Romulans look exactly like Vulcans, and everybody stares at Spock as some bombastic music plays in very classic Trek style. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which was also lifted directly from Balance of Terror. Mm -hmm. Um, We come back from a commercial break. Uh, I guess there's no commercial breaks anymore, but where a commercial break would be. And James T. Kirk transports aboard the Enterprise for the first time and hugs his brother Sam. Mm Mm-hmm. In the conference room, they start talking about the Romulans. Ortegas is accusatory towards Spock and says he had, uh, and he says he had no idea that Romulans and Vulcans were so alike in appearance. Captain Kirk postulates that maybe the Romulans leaked the video in order to sow discord and distrust between humans and Vulcans. It's pointed out that, which is actually a pretty good idea, um, but. It's pointed out that they'll be at the neutral zone within an hour, so they have to act quickly and make a choice whether or not to confront the Romulans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at this point in Balance of Terror, like uh, Kirk just starts like firing on him, basically. Um, Spock points out the tactical advantages the Romulans have with their weapons and cloaking, and Dr. Mbenga pipes up and says, if they do attack them, it's an act of war. Ortegas reminds them that the Romulans started it, which is true. Mm-hmm. Pike asks Captain Kirk his opinion, and he asks what will happen when the Romulans learn that the Federation won't even fight back. He suggests an attack, which is what he does in the original episode. Yep, yep. So next, Spock interrupts and uncharacteristically says that they should attack, as if they are indeed a subspecies of the Vulcan attacking the Romulans is the only option. Spock says the Vulcan were also once colonizers, and if the Romulans still held onto this philosophy, then weakness cannot be shown. Which is an interesting, I don't know, treatise on, like, colonism and stuff, because they never really talk about colonism in Star Trek, but, like, all yeah. the rules they have are to prevent them from being colonists, right? Like, the prime directive yeah, is, like, totally. anti-colonialism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is uh, 
I, I think that it's interesting that they break that up. You know, it is. It is interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, Ortega says, if her and Spock can agree on something, like attacking the Romulans, there is hope for them all. And Pike says they don't all agree. Captain Kirk jumps in and says the comet, uh, and says due to the comet, there might be a third way, explaining uh-huh. that once the Romulan ship starts flying behind the comet, particle distortion will reveal their location allowing them to flank the ship and attack with ease. Pike agrees to this plan of action. So now we have another captain's log from Pike. Uh-huh. Captain's personal log, stardate 1709.2. Per Captain Kirk's plan, we are mounting a pincer move. Our two ships will slowly drift closer as the Romulans remain unaware. When they pass through the comet's tail, giving us their exact location, we will be within weapons range. Mm-hmm. Kirk, however, huh? I said, oh yeah. Yep. Kirk, however, has agreed to my plan to neutralize, not destroy, the bird of prey, leaving open the possibility of dialogue. And yet, I remain concerned this brash young Starfleet captain follow his own rules. Follow I can't help his but wonder. Rules. Follows his own <laughs> rules. I can't help but wonder, is Kirk the reason I was sent here? If I wasn't here to stop him, would we be led into war? Uh, it's kind of weird. I don't know how they know that the ship is called a bird of prey. Hmm. It, in the original series, uh, one of the, the crewmen says uh, their ships are painted like a big bird of prey. Hmm. But we don't have that context in this episode at all. They just know they're called birds of prey for some reason. Yeah, they're making assumptions here. They are making weird assumptions. Why are they called birds of prey? I don't get it. Because, yeah, yeah it's, it's strange. So Pike tells Ortegas to maintain course, but be be ready. And she says, I'll keep my foot over the gas just in case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how many centuries has it been since I had they've the had gas thought. vehicles? Yeah, I had the like same two, thought. Like two centuries yeah. probably, two full centuries. Yeah, like, it's been a, a long time, yeah. Like this, this is worse than, I think last week there was a line about a fucking station wagon. Um, you know, if, if she had simply said, like, I'll keep my foot over the accelerator just yeah. in case, like, that would have worked like, fine. They, it wouldn't have drawn any attention, but because specifically she says gas, it's weird. Didn't didn't love that. Didn't, didn't love, love it. That. No. Um, I didn't hate it, but it did bring I didn't me out love of it. it. It brought me yeah, out of it. Yeah, it, it's my soy line of the week. Didn't love it at all. I would Fourthly, say... Ortegas takes the soy once again, which is like... <laughs> Ortegas has like six on the board, I think. Six out of ten for soy lines. Yeah. It's really not good. Because I like her character for the most part. It's just like... I hate that haircut, though. I think that haircut looks really bad. Like, Oh, I like that haircut. That haircut's cool. It's just like with the like swoopies on the side. I'm I'm not here for it. Like, I, well, I feel like it doesn't frame her face very well. Like She'd be, be done better with a better haircut. But that's just... Fair. She looks very boyish with it, which is kind of my thing. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Works for me. Fair. Um, so the ships coordinate, uh, the Farragut and the Enterprise as the Romulans pass through the tail of the comet, but the ship doesn't appear. Kirk says something's not right and Spock agrees. Suddenly the sensors detect the Romulan ship and it's behind the Farragut. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. The two ships fight and the Farragut goes down. Uh, so it shows the bridge, like as, as they're flying, like upside down, it shows the bridge upside down, which makes no sense 
because they're in fucking space. Yeah. So it does do that. There's, which I thought there was is fun. no up yeah. or down because up and down are relative to a gravitational pull. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of space, you don't have that relativity at all. There's there's nothing to relate to. There's no up, there's no down. And as long as the anti-gravity is working, like you're just you're always in the same place. Yeah, you're you're always sense. not upside down. <laughs> no, it's it's not like a fucking yeah, it it didn't make any sense. And I was like, why are they upside down? Like that doesn't make any sense. Also, like I just gotta call attention to how I just described that, which is you're always not upside down, which That's is an true. insane <laughs> way to describe that. No, that makes sense to me in the context of what we're talking about. It's all about context. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, being upside down is only contextual to gravity, and here there is none. That's so true. they can't be upside down. Fuck you guys. Can't fuck you, whoever. Down. Fuck you to whoever was working the fucking editing and was like, oh, let's put them upside down. I, I thought, it, I mean, it was a fun like camera move. Like, like I feel like, yeah, but it, it didn't it make was, any you know. sense. Yeah, any sense. That's true. It's a fun uh, camera but, uh, move, but it makes sense if you're if you're shooting like a dogfight in like jet fighters because there's relative gravity on Earth. Oh, I thought, I thought you were talking about like a dogfight, like Michael Vick sort of stuff. But Whoa, I was really confused. Listen, he's beyond that now. Okay, he's uh <laughs> now fuck Michael Vick. Fuck that guy. Yeah, he what should be eaten by dogs. That'd be cool, dude. They should have fed him to dogs. Like that would have to been his fight. dogs that yeah. he was like fighting. Yeah, yeah. that would have been really cool. That would have been cool as fuck. I mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, great running game though. Great running game. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hate that. Hate so, that. Uh, yeah, so the fucking Farragut gets its shit pushed in, like done. Yeah, it just gets done. absolutely murked, like uh-huh. really quickly. So, yeah. Kirk uh, asks Pike to fire phasers, but they're out of range, so they start firing anyway to draw the Bird of Prey's fire. Uh, But the Bird of Prey takes some evasive movers while moving towards them and fires their giant plasma weapon at the Enterprise, the thing that, like, destroyed the outpost. The Enterprise is hit, but not destroyed. Pike asks how that's even possible, and Spock postulates the plasma weapon is less effective at longer range. The Farragut, meanwhile, is at critical status and will lose life support within five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pike orders them over to the Farragut, and they get there within 30 seconds and beam everybody to safety. Yeah, they do. Pike goes to the transporter room, and La'on, uh, right as La'on is beaming aboard, and she hugs Pike and says, and he says he doesn't remember her being a hugger. She's confused and asks if he doesn't remember yeah, the, and he pretends to remember, which is actually kind of fun. Th- this Makes is sense. weird, though. This implies that they like had something going on. I feel like no, no, that just they've hugged before. That's the only thing going on. I don't know the way the scene plays out. It implies to me that they got. <laughs> I yeah. I don't think Laon really fucks. I don't think Laon fucks. I don't know her hair. Laon's not a now. fucker. She's got her hair down. <laughs> like so, no ponytail. She took down the pony <laughs> just baby. Saying. Just like just fucking uh, Pike's parents had to take down his pony, Sir fucking <laughs> Sir Mix a lot, yeah. yeah, Sir Mix a lot, <laughs> Sir Sir Mix a horse. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, so yeah, I I was like, what? Okay, um, but so no, I'm I'm like, what? At your thing, this makes sense. <laughs> your thing doesn't make sense. They didn't fuck. You're wrong. I don't know. It so, feels like they fuck, but so you know. so she asks if he doesn't remember, and he pretends like he does remember, like why she's a hugger. And he asks when the last time uh, La'on talked to Una was. 
Confused, La'an says, nobody can talk to her because she's not allowed contact. Bad times. Right then, uh, Kirk beams aboard and says, him and Pike need to speak immediately. He's pissed, man. Yeah, very pissed. So Kirk's super pissed, and uh, they, they go and talk alone. Uh, and he says, Pike flinched, and because of that, they lost. Uh, which is actually kind of uh, plays into the original episode, Balance of Terror, because in Balance of Terror, uh, you know, um, Kirk is alone on the Enterprise, and he ends up defeating the Romulans, and they end up self-destructing their ship because, yeah. you know, Kirk uh, is a little quicker to decide those kinds of things, I guess. Pike disagrees with him, and Kirk reiterates that since the beginning, Pike wanted to cripple, not kill the Romulans. Pike tells him not to challenge his combat readiness and reminds uh, Kirk that although he's not as willing to take risks as Kirk is, Kirk is saying all of this shit to his face aboard Pike's ship after Kirk's has been destroyed in a pretty good clapback. Like, Kirk was like, yeah, you're right. Uh, I did get my shit pushed in. Yeah. Um, so Kirk says he won't underestimate the Romulans again, which is a line directly from... Guess what? Balance of Terror. Mm-hmm. So many lines from Balance of Terror. I don't know how much they actually wrote the script so much as took lines out from the original script or just replaced them. Oh, yeah, totally. So uh, Spock suddenly pages Kirk and Pike to the bridge for something they'll want to see. Oh, yeah. Which I love how, like, basically every time they page someone to the bridge, they're like, there's something you'll want to see. Like, it can't just be like, hey, it's your job. Come to the bridge. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, that's It's like, true. hey, I've got something interesting on the bridge. It's and, and, like, when they're like, hey, come to the bridge, it's not like, do you have something interesting? Like, yeah, it's their fucking job. They got to go to the bridge. And, they're the captain. And then, like, old Star Trek, it's, it's more just like, hey, come to the bridge. Like, yeah. Because, like, the captain trusts them to not bother him unless it's something he'll want to see. Yeah, and something interesting, yeah. you might say, on the bridge. You'll want to see. Maybe something you'll want to see, yeah. So on the bridge, uh, Spock says the Romulans are leaking trilithium, mm-hmm. and their power supply is likely damaged. Mm-hmm. Spock believes they don't have enough to make it back to Romulus. Mm-hmm. He says they can intercept them, but they don't have any weapons capabilities at the moment. Mm-hmm. Pike tells Ahura to hail them, despite them never responding to before. Uh, she's like, uh, they they haven't responded before, and he's like, just fucking do it, and yeah. they, uh, she does. And um, Captain Kirk asks what he's doing, and Pike says coyly, taking a risk. Oh yeah, sometimes you gotta so take Pike, a risk. Yeah, well, we gotta take a risk. Uh, Pike says the two cultures have been at war for a hundred years, but he's offering a temporary ceasefire so they might talk for the first time in a century. Mm-hmm. Kirk says it's not what he expected. And Pike says, although the Romulans want to destroy them, they want to also go home. And that knowing your opponent, or knowing what your opponent wants, is the key to negotiation. Mm -hmm. Kirk wonders if the Romulans can even be negotiated with. Suddenly, the Romulans call, and Pike answers. It's some Romulan commander. They don't ever name him. They don't name him in the original episode either. I think that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Romulan commander. Uh, I liked Pike this says, dude. I, I liked the actor yeah. playing him. I liked his what they did with I, this thing. 
I actually cool. uh, complimented him on uh, uh, his Instagram today on a great job because I thought he did a fucking great job in this role. Oh yeah, especially really since good. he's reprising was, a role. It was like some was classic, done fifty years ago. Classic, very Star Trek yeah. shit. Yeah, for sure. Very classic Romulan shit. This yeah. dude is a great Romulan. He played it perfecto. Perfectly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, the Romulan calls and Pike answers. Uh, Pike says he doesn't know why the two cultures are at war, but he does know that they're both paying a bill that was written long before either of the two existed. He says that they can blow each other out of the sky or try something different and try to understand one another. I don't know why he says out of the sky. The space isn't really in the sky. Yeah. Yeah, I caught that one too. Terrestrial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Romulan says that they are indeed very different and despite uh, and displays like this show are a weakness in his culture. Mm-hmm. Pike says that they are both damaged and vulnerable and suggests a good faith gesture. Two hours to repair their ships and bury their dead. And maybe such a show of mercy might lead to something further and better for the two cultures. Yeah. The Romulan agrees. <clears throat> so... Ortegas is super pissed and says that the Romulans are lying and can't be trusted. Pike tells her to stand down, but she persists, so he gets super fucking daddy and mad, and he's like, stand down! Mm-hmm. And she's like, eh, whoops. Uh, but she definitely got her wet. Yeah, we all love Daddy Pike. <laughs> we all Somebody got a talking to. Somebody got a talking to. Oh, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Spock's sensor readings have suggested that the Romulans have stopped their ship. Now we go to the Romulan ship, and the uh, commander is speaking with his subcommander, who says that this is a show of weakness, mm-hmm. and it's the Romulan way to attack when given the advantage, which is actually taken directly from, like, the TOS once again. Uh, the commander says they need to pull out all hands for engine repair. But the subcommander says they should use all hands on weapons repair instead, as the Federation has given them the advantage to attack so they may strike before the ceasefire. Romulan commander is pretty pissed at this idea mm-hmm. and says uh, he served with the subcommander's late uncle, who died in ban- uh, sorry, who died in battle because his commander was an idiot who wanted to fight when the only logical choice was retreat, implying that retreat is the only logical choice here. Yeah. He says, pride is not something they can afford. Engines first, then weapons, end of fucking discussion. Uh, I actually wrote here that this guy is really cool, really good acting. Yeah, right? Like, he's Uh, really good in that scene. And um, just, like, yeah, how he carries himself. It's very classic, like, TNG era, like, how they portrayed uh, Romulans, especially during the, like, uh, Romulan and Vulcan unification storylines. You know, where they got Leonard Nimoy back and they did all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very much like, even even further back, it's like classic TOS Romulan. Like, he plays this character very much like the original actor played it. Mm-hmm. And he plays it super well. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, he says that uh, they need to play this peace game first. And if that doesn't work, the sub-commander will get his war. Mm-hmm. Back on the Enterprise, Pike asks Spock if he wants some coffee. Spock says he doesn't drink coffee, but he does drink tea. Pike asks if he wants some tea, and Spock is like, no, which was pretty funny. I really like that. It was yeah. some really good subtle comedy. Um, I feel like that's a good way to do comedy with that character. It's kind of hard. Oh, definitely. To, 
do comedy with that character without it being cringe and that's a way to do it no, i mean like cringe. yeah dead deadpan always works for for vulcans like it's fish out of water shit it's super easy mm-hmm. uh so pike ruminates on all that went wrong that day and how many of them uh how many of the things that have gone wrong could be the thing that sends them on the quote path towards a dark future mm-hmm. but wonders also if the worst is yet to come Spock says nobody can know the future, but only follow their instincts and hope the truth will present itself. Which is a good, good line. Pike asks what happened to Una, and Spock says she was sentenced to the Federation penal colony on Salia 6 for the past seven years because of her, quote, deception. Uh-oh. Now, this, this is interesting, and this highlights the fact that there are indeed uh, punitive carceral conditions in the Federation, like... Whereas, you know, in the last, uh, in Spock Amok, fucking T'Pring works on a Vulcan penal colony, right. but it's a rehabilitation colony. Yeah. And so they center rehabilitation because, you know, that that's their way. But apparently humans are still just like locking people up. Yeah. I mean, that's very humanity. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's not very, very humanity. It's not very Federation. You know? it, I mean, it is kind of Federation. I mean, they, they do this in the Federation and every now and again, you'll, you'll see that they have punitive, uh, you know, law enforcement for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that goes to prove like Star Trek is not too woke. Like Star Trek <laughs> has conservative ass elements yeah. and ass elements like, for sure. Yeah, punitive, Punitive uh, incarceration is 100% conservative. It's not a liberal ideal even. I mean, I guess it is kind of liberal, but like leftists don't believe in that shit. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, that's it. That's um, true. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like left, real leftists are about like prison abolition and figuring out like other ways like community policing and stuff like that to like really actually help people help people and like find the root of crime, which is oftentimes just like poverty and shit. Often but like the crimes they choose, yeah. the crimes they choose on here, and we'll get to this at the very end of the episode. But like, they're weird crimes to lock people up for, right? Yeah, pretty fucking weird. I would agree. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, so right then, uh, Captain Kirk comes in, and Spock excuses himself to go supervise some repairs. Kirk says he would have blown the Romulans out of the sky, and they can't trust them, and suggests a backup plan calling for reinforcements from the Federation. Mm-hmm. Even though they're much farther away from reinforcements than the Romulans are, the Romulans don't know that yet. So he asks Pike for a shuttle, and the wheels start to turn. There's a plan. Oh, there's some kind of a plan happening. I feel uh, like what they tried to do with that storyline where, like, you know... It, did, uh, it didn't totally work. It didn't. They didn't like play it up well enough. I know, but I feel like they were trying to do the like, oh, he's a rascal kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like he's he's a a whole deck of wild cards. Yeah, he's a whole deck of wild cards. Exactly. Exactly. You get it. Um, uh, We then see a shuttle exiting the Enterprise and going into warp, presumably uh, Kirk. There. mm -hmm. Next, we see Spock in my favorite star of the show. A Jeffrey's tube. Oh, we love we uh, love a Jeffrey's tube. We love it's, a Jeffrey's it's on record, tube. you know. Um, yeah. I want, I mean, yeah. 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 I want to go in one one of these days. I want to live in a Jeffrey's tube. Uh, I don't know if you do. So he's in a Jeffrey's tube, working on some phaser repairs and talking to a uh, engineer who sounds a whole lot like Scotty, but we never see his face. Mm-hmm. It kind of sucks because I'd love to see a new Scotty in here, but. 
it makes sense that they wouldn't cast a new Scotty for just one episode when Pike, you know, touches a time crystal. Totally. Um, and the engineer says, uh, I'm an engineer, not a miracle worker, Mr. Spock, which is like, oh, that's got to be Scotty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so suddenly the two hours that Pike asked for are up and Pike opens a channel. He asked if the Romulans have appa- repaired their ship and without answering, the Romulan commander asks if Pike has repaired his mm-hmm. in very classic Romulan style. Pike says it would be predictable to resume hostilities at this point, but gives a rousing speech on the human strength of seeing partners instead of enemies within others and asks if Romulans have that strength, which was a really great speech. Love that speech. Nice. Yeah, I Um, I like it too. Yeah, the Romulan commander says, I too tire of endless war, but right as he says this, a ton of Romulan ships come out of warp right in front of them. Oh, shit. Yeah, right? Perplexed, the Romulan commander says that he didn't call for the fleet and wonders why they're there, but the sub-commander says he alerted them, saying he disobeyed a direct order because the commander was showing weakness. It's very, very Romulan. Very Romulan. Excuse me. Uh, The Romulan commander says that he remembers a time without war and asks who wins in endless war with the Federation. Sub-commander says the Romulans will and is reminded that an endless war, by definition, can never be won. The commander says Pike will not trust him now, but the sub-commander says, doesn't matter, he'll be dead soon. And then the sub-commander is escorted off the bridge by security, which is something that also happens in, guess what? Balance of Terror. Nice. Back on the bridge of the Enterprise, the Romulan flagship hails them and immediately asks for their unconditional surrender. Pike introduces himself, and the Romulan lady on the other end calls herself Praetor. 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 Uh, uh, Yes, Uh, alien versus Praetor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Pike says they're both on their own side of the neutral zone, so he doesn't have any reason to surrender, which makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Praetor says they're surrounded, and if they don't surrender, they'll be destroyed. They're not surrounded. They're just on the other side of the neutral zone. That's true. Uh, she gives him one minute to comply. Suddenly, there's a couple dozen ships on the perimeter that look like the Federations. Guess who it is? It's Captain Kirk, who has appropriated Robotica Minecraft to appear as Federation's ships. Nice. Um, it's a bluff too. based on the Romulan, Romulans not knowing what their ships look like. Uh, which is actually a line taken, again, from Balance of Terror. Back in the Jeffries tube, Spock is almost done with the phaser repairs. Uh, back on the bridge, the Romulans hail Pike again. He points out that their armada uh, is there now, while Praetor says this is an act of aggression. Pike says it's just a training exercise on the border of their space and says a real act of aggression would look something like a Romulan bird of prey using cloaking technology and destroying their neutral zone outposts, which is a great clapback. Oh, yeah. Uh, She denies it, so Pike sends her the fucking footage. She has video of the shit, and he's like, well, uh, check it out. Um, Praetor's like, whoop, uh, well, you got me. So she starts moving in. Pike's like, what the fuck is going on? And she's like... Uh, we are taking down the commander who allowed himself to be caught. We're co- we're doing a cull, mm-hmm. uh, which is an interesting idea. Um, 
Pike hails the Romulan commander and asks what the fuck is going on and says that uh, he can be saved and he can beam the whole crew aboard. The commander says it is not their way, which is actually another line that they took from Balance of Terror. Nice. Um, he regrets meeting, uh, but in Balance of Terror, it was right before he blew up his ship, mm-hmm. which is was really cool. Uh, he regrets meeting Pike this way and says in a different reality, he could have called him friend, which is another line taken directly from Balance of Terror. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pike asks what purpose it serves to die, and the commander says, we are all creatures of duty, you and I, just one more duty to perform, before hoping a sacrifice eventually leads to the end of war. The Romulans blast the commander's ship to straight fucking shit. Yeah, they do. 100% dead. Just fucking blow deadest, that dude out of the, the, the deadest out of the space. Blew him out of the space. No, fucking blew him out of the sky space. <laughs> I don't care. Um, so Praetor hails Pike again and says now that they are stronger, she will accept Pike's surrender. He asks if this is how she wants to break 100 years of peace, and she responds by thanking him for revealing the Federation's weakness. They power up weapons again as Kirk moves all the drone craft into battle. One of the drones explodes and hits the Enterprise right as Kirk beams aboard. The Enterprise warps away right as they're about to get their shit fucking wrecked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Uhura says that the Romulans are declaring war against the Federation on all subspace frequencies. Weapons systems have sustained tons of damage, and Pike wonders about Spock, who is still in a weapons Jeffries tube. Yeah. Good, good point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pike hurriedly wanders to Medbay, and shit is absolutely fucked. Uh, everybody's dying and shit. Mbenga is like, oh, this shit's all fucked up. And he motions over to something, uh, over to a, a bio bed, and Pike walks over to find Spock is totally fucked up. Like, in the exact same way that Pike was going to be fucked up six months earlier. Radiation burns, spinal damage, no legs, all that shit. The whole, the works. He's, he's been, he's been Anakin Skywalker here, really. Uh-huh. Uh, Definitely. Pike finally understands the future that saving himself would create. Mm-hmm. We're still in the future, but future Pike is here now uh, talking to present Pike, and future Pike tells present Pike uh, that he knows what he's thinking, that he traded his fate for Spock's. Future Pike says it's not going to help, but the war with the Romulans gets worse and millions die. And the best choice of lasting peace with them, who is Spock, is nearly dead if the future ends up like this. Yep. He says their future is important, just not in the way that Pike thinks. Future Pike says the Klingon monk showed him something very simple. That every time that Pike changes the path, Spock dies. And he has things to do. Fate of the galaxy type things to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's true. Future- mm-hmm. Future Pike says that paths diverge, but Future Pike is the result of a path that should have never been taken. The door chimes, and Future Pike puts away the time crystal and disappears. The person at the door is Captain Kirk. Pike pours Kirk a drink and says he doesn't know how to explain it, but he thinks for some reason he was supposed to meet Kirk. Kirk has the same odd feeling. 
Kirk says he's sorry things turned out the way they did, as Pike tried for something better, but lost. Which is an interesting duality, because, like, in in the original episode, Kirk just blows up the Romulan ship, and it's, like, never really talked about. There's, like, no war with the Romulans or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he was more violent and made a decision. Yeah. Um... Kirk postulates on how things might have gone differently if they would have just killed the Romulans. Pike says Kirk is a good captain, and the Enterprise would be lucky to have him. Kirk asks if he's thinking of retiring. Pike says not yet. They take a seat together and start talking about their lives. Later, Pike walks over to the time crystal and touches it, sending him back to the series present where he's writing the letter to Ma'at but he has the computer deleted. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. He looks at James T. Kirk's file just as Spock comes in. Once again, just fucking Facebook creeping. As you do. Uh, I mean, sometimes you'd be creeping. As, as Pike has done the second time in this episode, he's just like looking at profiles. You know, sometimes you'd be doing that. Yeah. Uh, Spock asks if Pike is okay since he left the briefing room at the beginning of the episode very suddenly, which apparently was just a couple minutes ago because this whole time thing has happened in the last couple minutes. Spock wonders if the boy's name, Ma'at, pertains to his future. Pike says he thinks the universe is telling him that some fates are inescapable, and even if he avoids his, it might fall to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Spock asks if that is why he was so glad to see him. Spock says he may owe Pike a debt of gratitude for something that he doesn't even know about. Mm -hmm. And then they tell each other that they're very important to one another, which was really sweet. You know, we love that. We do. Like, that's kind of the foundational relationship in, I mean, all of Star Trek, but especially, you know, here, Kirk, Spock, Pike, Spock, you know, Spock. Spock is Star Trek whether we like it or not at this point. Oh, yeah, it's Spock Trek all the way down. So, uh, Pike enters the bridge, and suddenly some 1950s country swing music starts to play as Pike walks around the bridge with a smile. He then sits in the captain's chair. Suddenly, Uhura says that Starfleet Command is sending a transmission. Captain Battelle is beaming aboard, and they want him and Commander Chin Riley, who's Una, to meet in the transporter room. Mm-hmm. Pike and Una head there and greet Patel, who's like, hey, sorry to do this, Pike. Hey, Una, you're under arrest for breaking restrictions on genetic modifications. And he's like, what's going on? And she's like, she's a fucking Alarian. Yeah. And uh, Pike tries to beat up one of the security guards, and Una's like, don't do it. I know this has been coming for a while. I thought it was weird that like he he like grips that dude, he like grabs him, and then that dude is just like when he lets that dude go, he's just like whatever, and just like walks off. But, like he doesn't even I mean, give him like a look of like, why'd you like attack he's me? He's like so yeah, but that guy's maybe like a, a a like a lieutenant junior grade at most. So like Pike is like fifty levels above him. He could get him canned if he wanted to. It makes sense in military culture, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, so. Uh, Pike is super pissed and says, this isn't over. End of season. End of season. End of fucking season. I mean, so that's a lie. It is kind of over in the sense that that's the end of the season. (laughs) At least it's over for a little Uh, while, like a year. Yeah, and apparently the guy who directed this episode is directing the first episode of the next season, so I'm guessing it's going to be kind of, you know, 
contiguous and almost a two-parter. Maybe a two-parter. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. This was this was a great episode. It was a fantastic I episode. episode. I super it's, liked it. I thought it was I'd really good. I'd say probably the best episode of um, Strange New World so far. I, I, would, I would agree. Like, I thought it was super, super strong. Like, I really liked uh, just the focus on the one story and taking its time with it. And it created, like, a really, like intense atmosphere with like the dread of what's going to happen in the future and then like the sort of like mystery unpacking of like what is what has changed now that he prevented his own you know fate and all that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff and like discovering that and having him coming to terms with his fate it was all very like well structured and well written and it it was really good i super liked it yeah um yeah yeah i think my favorite episode so far for sure. I think yeah. the best one. I'm going to give it a solid nine out of I would ten also five. give it a solid four and just, a half out of five. Just good, good Star Trek in general. It's Definitely. like, it, it is a good modernization of like, because, you know, TOS is kind of hard to watch because it's really dated. It's really funky. I really liked watching um, Balance of Terror, but only really as like after watching this and like seeing all, you know, where history repeated itself and stuff like that. It was really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, and I, I'd, I'd say if you like this episode, definitely go and watch Balance of Terror. It's fucking, it's it's great. Yeah, I mean, one it's been a really long time episodes. since I watched the episode. I mean, I noticed the similarities between this one and that one. And so, like, I, I looked up a synopsis of that episode just to, like, mm-hmm. double check it. It's been a long time. Uh, but, yeah, I need to go back and watch it now because I yeah, really, I really liked that episode very much. Hell, yeah. Well... Uh, that's all the new Trek for the week and all of the new Trek for uh, an indefinite amount of time because they have not mentioned when Lower Decks or Prodigy or Discovery or Picard are coming back. Yeah, we don't we don't know. We don't know. So um, I think I think next week um, I think we'll probably uh, I think a good idea would be to do a uh, Strange New Worlds season recap and then one more episode. Okay. Does that sound all right? Uh, yeah, how, be good. yeah, okay. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you missed a couple episodes of Strange New World, so it'll give you a chance to comment on those. That's true. That's true. You know, and then we'll we'll get to talk about the season as a whole because you know sometimes, um, you know, things are uh, greater than the sum of their parts, and sometimes not. And we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That sounds good to but, me. But uh, anyway, that's uh, all the new track. And with that, uh, you want to do the Klingon word of the day? I would love to. All right. Today's Klingon word of the day is brought to you by the five actors that have portrayed James T. Kirk within Star Trek media. Um, today's if, Klingon, if you count his child self from if the you movies. count his child self from the movie, and also the female actress that portrayed him in the uh, TOS episode That's where he body true. swaps. Um, right. But moving on, Klingon word of the day today is porgme, which means body. As in, I really like the way your poor me looks today. Thanks. Is that directed towards me? Uh, no. <laughs> I might have to tell HR about this, Spencer. 
space which happens to be me so space HR. Yeah. things aren't looking good for you Spencer. Uh, that's true yeah Sorry. it's it's never looking good for me <laughs> when i when they call hr on me uh hr trek <laughs> yeah i like that that's that's pretty good yeah yeah maybe, maybe uh, a future segment of the show where we can look at a scene <laughs> in which maybe they should have contacted uh the federation's hr i mean we we could come up with a lot of complaints against thomas Riker, if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i mean I, I feel like it'd probably be a lot easier to do uh tos because fucking like there's so much misogyny oh yeah that's that true show. it's really fucking yeah. bad i mean yeah and you know probably the first season of tng as well that one's pretty rough oh yeah oh yeah indeed anyway so that is not all of the trek that we li- that we listened to <laughs> yes it's not all the trek that we watched this week we also certainly watched isn't. an episode of star trek voyager indeed so uh you know when uh, after we watch the new trek for the week we go ahead and use a random number generator to uh pick us a random episode of star trek mm-hmm. and this week we got episode 552 which uh, correlates to... Season 5, Episode 13, Gravity. Indeed. I liked that very much. That was great. So, uh, Star Trek Voyager, uh, Season 5, Episode 13, yeah. Gravity. Yeah. Written by Nick Sagan, son of Carl Sagan, none other, uh, who wrote two episodes of TNG and five of Voyager, mm-hmm. and also Brian Fuller, who yep. is a legend, did tons of Trek, huge producer, Hannibal, whatever, tons of shit. Awesome. Yeah. And directed by Terry Windell, who did 10 episodes of Voyager, and this is her first one. Wow. Cool. So, uh, let's jump right in. Um, We have a flashback. An adolescent Vulcan has entered remedial emotional control training under the guidance of a Vulcan master. The boy is walking around in a dark, like, obviously, like, Vulcan scape, because for some reason all the lighting... Vulcan is like really fucking dark. Oh yeah, I mean like it's it's moody, it's moody place. Yeah, they're, they're hiding their emotions and their lighting. Yeah, yeah. I mean like white light, I guess, is not very logical for them. So, uh, the boy tells his master that he doesn't want to be there, and the master tells him that he is a prisoner of nothing but his emotions, and he may leave any time if he wishes to. Mm-hmm. The boy admits he has nowhere else to go since he has been banished from his home and he has lost his seat at his school because they refused to deny or because he refused to deny himself passion. Oh, yeah. The boy then angrily wonders why he must deny feelings if he was born with them, which is a very Vulcan thing that they, they get into quite a bit. Uh, the master tells him that his emotions can be a powerful tool and to deny their existence is illogical, but that he, he must learn to control them. The boy vows to question everything he is told, and the master tells him he would not be a worthy pupil otherwise. Oh, yeah. He then tells him, sit down, Tuvok. Big music, big revealing music, because we weren't supposed to know that was Tuvok, even though it's like 
it's a flashback on a black Vulcan kid. Like who? <laughs> it's Voyager. <laughs> who are we gonna think it is? I, I, yeah, I, don't I know. immediately assumed I'm like that's Tuvok, obviously. Yeah. Like wh- <laughs> who else would it be on the ship? Nobody. There's no other character. That's true. So opening credits, only uh, two minutes and forty five seconds for this. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty pretty quick cold open. open. Then it gets into it, and then they're on a uh, they're on a class D desert planet. And we see a female alien dressed in protective clothing uh, using a sonic mm-hmm. device to hunt large spiders that live under rocks. Yeah. So she's like holding this, like, she well, like sticks well, this yes. thing in the ground and it's like, womp, womp, womp. kind of like womp, a big womp. dildo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She just... It's like a dildo light. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's like, womp, womp. Yeah. And apparently it gets the spiders out from under uh-huh. rocks and then she just fucking stabs yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty and th- sick. There's this scene of a spider coming out of a rock that they use the exact same scene later on in the episode. They, they don't, like, they don't even mm-hmm. re. They don't even like mirror it or anything. It's like the exact same like CGI of the spider coming out from under the rock. That's true. Yeah, it's, it's really great. Yeah. I, I think they like turn the screen like five degrees, but it's it's, it's basically it's, the exact yeah, same exactly graphic. Same. Uh, it's pretty funny. It's just funny. Um, so yeah, she sees so, the uh, a shuttle crash. And it's after like I mean they they spend a good time like setting up the atmosphere here, which I like. Like a good like minute and a half before we even see anything spaceship related. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, then it crashes and she goes to the crash site and is interrupted by Tom Paris. And he's like, Hey, don't, don't well, steal she, my tricorder. And she's like, she threatens yeah, him and she, steals she's it. stealing a couple things, like some med kits and shit like yeah. that. Tom Paris comes in, like he doesn't know she's in there, but immediately she threatens him. Um, but he can't understand her. And he's like, uh, I must've hit my head harder than I thought. Or the universal translator is not fucking working. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so she threatens him and steals the stuff that he's got, and then like just you know starts leaving. Uh, and she gets it. Oh, but yeah. By the way, her outfit is fucking sick. <laughs> it's like a a, a bodysuit. It looks like if uh, they didn't spend like any money on costumes for the new Dune movie. Uh-huh. Like it, it looks like halfway between like a Dune movie costume and also like a ballet outfit. Yeah. It's like it's very like Seven of Nine ish kind of. Yeah. But in a in a desert wasteland kind of way, which I really enjoyed. Definitely, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I, yeah. She was pretty yeah. fun. Good character. Sure. Not character, as she is known. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, so she gets ambushed by aliens, uh, but Tuvok rescues mm-hmm. her because he knows all that Vulcan kung fu. Oh you know? man, he he beats the shit out of him and does the pinch and shit oh, like yeah. that. It's pretty tight. Um, and then she identifies yeah. herself as Nas, and then he yeah, and he does the he points to himself. He's like. Tuvok and she's like Tuvok and he's like Tuvok and she's like Nas and he's like I love Ilmatic yeah yeah, exactly Ilmatic for sure Uh, Um, yeah also the energy drink yeah and the the stuff that they use in the Fast and the Furious movies for the cars right right she's like Nas because I drive Honda Civic modded uh-huh. out uh-huh. v-tech nos tech yeah yeah <laughs> big spoiler <laughs> rap kit yeah, exactly <laughs> um so back at the shuttle paris is trying to contact voyager and but he can't get uh-huh. of them uh tuvok enters yeah. and with nos and then paris is like what the heck like she robbed us and tuvok's like it's chill dude it'll be fine yeah, he's like, we can't understand what's going on, but it's it's cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he says, uh, I, I rescued her from uh, people who were trying to rob her, and uh, Tom Paris has a great line. He's like, 
seems to be a local pastime, which, you know what? You hate Tom <laughs> Paris. Hate Tom I Paris. totally disagree. Tom Paris is a good wisecracker. I don't like his Bologna he stuff. He is a cracker, really. that's for sure. But I like I like how he's like a guy that fucking Janeway like picked up from a prison colony and shit. It's like I don't know. I like his backstory. I like what he does. I, like Tom Paris. I want to like him, but he's he's cool. Like such Try. a d bag, and he's I just good. Hate he's him. good in this episode. And like, he's good I in this episode. Don't like Robert Duncan McNeil. Like I just don't like him. Like I don't like his character. He doesn't seem like somebody I would want to hang out strong, with. Strong, strong. And like I just hate his character so he much. He likes old movies and shit. He's that he is guy. the worst dude. The Delta Flyer shit. Are you kidding me? That is the some of the cringiest shit in. Star Trek. It is so lame. Yeah, I love. I like, love, dude. I I I made a meme the other day. Like Voyager's bad episodes are some of my very favorite Star Trek. They're so they're so bad. They cross over to the other side and are very interesting. Some of them do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But the Tom Paris ones. Yeah. No, they do not. They are bad. Tom Paris is good. Bad. Tom no, Paris is good. Tom's, bad. Tom Stand Paris by is that. bad. Bad. Tom Paris. Same with Chakotay. I don't like Chakotay, other than the fact that he has some of the worst best episodes, <laughs> where they're just like, uh, "Let's do a Native American thing," and it's all wrong. <laughs> and like, oh, it's so yeah. good. Tattoo is is so yeah. good. Tattoo is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, we love Bad Voyager. Like <clears throat> Voyager's bad episodes. I like them more than some of my favorite episodes from like season. Three. I mean, I do really like the episodes where they be or the episode um, where they become lizards and then Janeway. Yeah, yeah, threat threshold, yeah, threshold, yeah, threshold. Fucking. I mean, that's that's a Delta Flyer episode. No, it isn't. What? Yeah, it is. That's a Delta because uh, the Delta Flyer is the thing that goes uh, warp ten, right? And that's why they turn into lizards and uh, shit. Yeah, I don't remember. It's been a, it's yeah, been that's a, a fucking since I Delta. It. Yeah. I, I think that I'm pretty sure it's either that or a transport. Like Tom Paris goes really fast in something, yeah, and it turns everything into right. A- that is what happens. Yeah, okay. Pretty sure it's the anyways. Delta flyer. That whole, I'm I'm talking about the whole idea of that, and uh, it's so it's so cringe. It's so bad. Anyways, anyway, back to the episode. <laughs> the doctor uh, is also what? there, but his mobile emitter is damaged, and he doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh, Nas is t- like t- Tuvok gives Nas some food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, Paris figures out that the shuttle was pulled into a gravity well and is damaged beyond repair. And the system therein is stuck in a pocket of subspace. Uh, and Paris doesn't see any easy way out of the situation. It's like, maybe Voyager is coming to find us because we're fucked. We're absolutely place. fucked. So, so yeah. they, Nas senses danger coming to the ship and they're like, oh, oh uh, wait, wait, we need to go back a little bit because uh, the doctor appears because. Uh, Tom Paris fixes his mobile emitter, which is 29th century technology. Yes. How does Tom Paris know how to he fix this thing they don't understand? It. No, it doesn't make any sense. But he fixes it. He fixes it just fine, Spencer. He fixes it, and the fucking doctor comes back That's online. True. I don't understand it, and it really doesn't make any sense in context of Voyager. Like, it's shit they don't understand made out of an alloy they don't understand yeah. from the future. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, they could have just done so. it. So like, I don't know. There was there's another way they could have done it. They could have been like, "Hey, there's some kind of something on the planet that's interfering with it, so it doesn't work here." Yeah, and then yeah, right. they like, create yeah. something that solves that problem, right? Like, there you go. Or or just not have just have the doctor there from the beginning. His emitter doesn't need to be broken. That well, 
you don't Not need really it for a storytelling device. Right. Um, I guess they use it later to to indicate time passing. Um, yeah, but... like like the doctor could have been like the person to walk. Eh, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, anyway. Uh, mo- moving they, on. They leave. Uh, not. Uh, they make their way to Nas's ship, which is much larger, mm-hmm. um, and also apparently crash landed on the planet. Um, and mm-hmm. Tuvok discovers that Nas has a force field around her ship, and mm-hmm. uh, but although it is a secure shelter, the ship is otherwise unsalvageable. Um, but there is engine debris two miles away that could make the ship run, mm-hmm. or sorry, two kilometers away, which they never really come back to, which I find weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, true. Because they, they definitely really... mention that, and it's not like a, uh, yeah, yeah, it's no kind of Chekhov's gun or Chekhov's engine. Yeah, so, well, they, they like you said, Paris fixes the emitter, and then the doctor can talk to uh, to Nos because he has a universal translator, but he can't, and he can basically just, like, translate for her. Right. That uh, the language, the fake language that they made up is very awkward. Everyone feels very awkward. Oh yeah, it's like cra cra, (laughs) nu next sunu, bo bo bo. Like it's very like almost Sims kind of. It's very Simish. It's very it's it's like Simlish. Uh, Simlish is it Simlish or Simish? I I don't know. I think it's Simlish. That sounds sounds right. right. Anyways, um, yeah. So we learn that. Nas has been there 14 seasons and has seen many ships come down and none ever go back up. I don't know what they mean by seasons because, like, I mean, in this episode, they're there for several months and n- the weather never seems to change. Well, maybe it did and we didn't see it, so I don't know. Mm, okay. It's like, a, it's like a desert planet, though, and it's just always desert. It's a Class D planet. Like, that's yeah. what it is. It's Class whatever. D for dumb. Yeah. Uh, so... Which uh, I, I looked it up. Class D is a type of planet that is like habitable, but there's no like animals on. Mm. Well, there are animals on this one because there's spiders. Speaking of spiders, there, our there next are. scene is a time skip. So we skip skip ahead a little bit, and we mm-hmm. see Paris trying unsuccessfully to hunt spiders. Uh, Nas is giving him yes. uh, lessons on how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's just kind of like talking at her. Uh-huh. Uh, and they they can't really speak together yet, mm-hmm. apparently. Um, yeah. So they uh the the they revive the doctor or they turn on the doctor. Oh, they also make very sure to say here that the spiders aren't poisonous because that's important. To the yeah, yeah. Well, because it shows them eating the spiders, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah. But that's something we'd assume. Right? Yeah. Like not all spiders are poisonous. That's true. That's it's it's just writing to be like, hey, just in case our audience is really dumb. Not poisonous, guys. <laughs> I wonder why that was like kept in. It's it very funny. Um, so they turn on the doctor, and then they're like, "Yo, we can't keep you turned on very much because we're trying to like use your mobile emitter to power this ship and protect us." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "What the fuck, and, uh, really?" No, he, he he the line he says, which is great, uh, in an homage to Bones McCoy, is, "I'm a doctor, not a battery," <laughs> which I thought was really. Like probably the best line in the episode. I I la- I lolled at that one. I was like, hey, that's that's fun. I I, I just love Robert Picardo. Mm-hmm. He always plays the Doctor so well. Like regardless of how the Doctor is supposed to be, Doctor is easily one of the oh, best yeah. characters. He's great. On the show. He's the most yeah. I would argue most likable character on the show. Um, other yeah. than Neil. I mean, besides Tom besides Paris, Neelix, obviously. Pip Tom Paris. Yeah. 
besides Tom besides Paris. Neelix, obviously. Besides Tom yeah. Paris. Um Okay. I'm glad we can agree. Uh <laughs> Yeah. If we can agree on something, then there's hope or whatever. Ortega. So then like Nas starts kinda hitting on Tuvok. You know, they, they kinda hang out a bit while they're like cooking food together. She's like asking mm-hmm. him to describe what it was like work uh, working and living on Voyager. And then mm-hmm. later on, uh Paris starts telling Nas stories about Dayton Torres, which is still a crazy thing. Like they're, they're such an awkward couple. Like I don't know, I don't get it. Uh, oh, I, so uh, while they're they're cooking spiders, um, uh, fucking Nas asks Tuvok to describe his life on Voyager, and uh, when he asks why it's relevant, uh, Nas is like, "Because it is you." In a very like, I don't know. I felt that was almost a Jar Jar Binks ish moment. It was, I was just like, she's just like learning the language and, um, it was, it was stupid. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But Lana Taurus, why, why can't you believe that they're the thing? Uh, just cause Tom Paris is like the most unlikable person imaginable. And I can't imagine why anyone would date him. But Lana is, is just as unlikable as I Tom Paris. I agree Spencer. with that, but at least she seems somewhat so? competent and he doesn't seem competent at all. Tom Paris is he very is competent. competent. He, Tom he like, Paris, like you yeah. just said earlier, he, he got his he shit drives, to go fucking that, that warp 10. So fast that everybody turns into lizards and then has lizard babies. He goes faster than anyone's ever gone, that, Spencer. That, that doesn't he, mean he's, that he's the competent. only guy who's gone warp 10. It doesn't mean he's competent. It is. He wanted to go warp 10 and he went warp 10. He's like, Apparently, he's good of an engineer as Scotty, I even though I don't even know his that. job on the ship. There is no what way. is his job on the ship? Even uh, Do you, I is he don't comms even or something? Know. <laughs> right? I don't. I don't know Tom Paris's job on the ship. To be honest, I have no he's idea what he does because he never has a story where he's like at no, work. There he's on the so bridge. Voyager episodes where it's literally is, just is he on like, the second helm? It, is that literally right? just like Paris know. fucks up and then everybody has to like solve the the fuck up like he's no barclay man uh, like, yeah he's worse than barclay because he's like barclay if you like, shut your barclay fucking could, nothing's like, worse than barclay people, you dumb son you know? of a bitch <laughs> like, no he's like barclay if he was um, boring uh <laughs> anyways <laughs> what barclay he is, is not boring. Boring. Barclay's like, he's, a, he's weird he's, he's more weird than boring he's super, super weird. weird i don't and fucking it's so weird that like uh like one of his only friends ever on the show is fucking Deanna Troy, uh-huh. who can read his thoughts, so has to know there's something fucked up going on in there, and she's just like, yeah, I'll visit him and be alone with him, and I'm like, don't do it, Troy, don't! Yeah, point. He's practiced this in the holodeck a thousand times! Like you, and you know, you can tell, you can read that emotion from him, coming from him, like, yeah. she's like, yeah, so, she's like, I sense great so, incel so, in you. Um... <laughs> So, so Paris is talking about uh, loving Taurus and how it took uh, three years to bag her, if you yeah. know what I mean. And Nas says, you must love her. But then, or she, she was like, you must, um, um, and then she says something to the doctor and the doctor's like, love her very much. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a nice tender Tom Paris moment where he's like, yeah, in a very well-acted very sympathetic. Tom Paris is a good Tom character. Tom Paris way. is not sympathetic, nor you is shut he shut your a good fucking character. mouth. Tom <laughs> Paris is a good sympathetic character. You're wrong. Next thing I know you're gonna start standing Harry Kim. Jesus Christ! I feel like we're Harry Kim got done dirty. 
He got done yeah, dirty. Yeah. Harry Kim's fine. He, he got done way seven dirty. Seven years is an ensign. Cool. He got done dirty. Everyone else gets promoted <laughs> except for him. Fucking seven of nine gets more promotions than him and fucks up way yeah. more. I mean, well, it makes sense, like, though, you know. It makes sense. I, I would promote why? seven of nine over Harry Kim. <laughs> You're a racist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. All right. So to- Tom soon realizes... That uh, Nas has be- become romantically attracted to Tuvok. I mean, who wouldn't? And be? <laughs> uh, I mean, Tuvok's a stud. Like, I mean, he saved the shit out of. Like, that's the best way to meet someone is like beating up some robbers, right? That are trying to mug. Yeah. Someone. Well, so like Paris is like, yo, you should try to like, you know, get with Nas. Like, you'll you're never gonna see your wife again. And then Tuvok's like very yeah, she's clearly a, she's like fifty thousand light years away and on a different level of space, which is a good point. She's literally like in. I feel like it's not cheating if you're on a different level of space. Right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely not. No, um, and but like it's not cheating if it's gay, and it's not cheating if it's a different level but, of space. Hmm, Two rules. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so like Tom Paris and Tuvok could definitely fuck. That'd be okay, because they're no, in a different if, level if, of space. If any, and if it's any gay. character on that show is going to fuck Tuvok, it's Neelix. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, that's not consensual, though, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, that's. Hey, mi- hey, Mister Vulcan, <laughs> I'm gonna rump roast you if you know what I mean. Oh no, um, <laughs> yeah. So, guess what I got cooking up? Ever heard of roof and all? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it it is most illogical to you know get roofied to be alone yeah. with Neelix. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Neelix is the Cosby of that ship. We know what's happening. We do. We do. Uh, well, later later that night, um, Paris apologizes to Tuvok, and then he's like, "Look, you know, like Nas want is India. You know, like maybe maybe you should check it out. It's it's not." It's not an apology. <laughs> I mean, he starts with an apology. That's what he leads with, but it's not an apology at all. He's like, listen, I'm sorry you were so offended, See? Okay. but you're See, wrong. See, this is exactly <laughs> like, why I fucking hate Tom Paris. He's such a piece of shit. Like, he, he does the shit all the time where he's just like, uh, I'm sorry. But he's not wrong. Offended. They're on a different level of space. I mean, They've been there for months. They they should assume that like he's never going to see his fucking wife again. Sure. Uh, but I like that, yeah. like, they're assuming that, and then, but, like, Tom Paris is like, oh, I choose celibacy here. <laughs> I think that's funny. I think it's telling. You you know he's, like, getting handies from the doctor, <laughs> at least, right? He's like, doctor, I got a, I got a medical ailment. It's uh, called uh, being fucking no, no, horny. No, no, no. He he, you want to give me an no, HJ? No, no, no. He just asked the doctor to give him, a, a, you know, a prostate exam. <laughs> If you know what I mean. I mean that, that that's good and all, but like it's better with the reach around. <laughs> like, <laughs> doctor, also, the actor, doctor would just like scan his prostate and be like, "You're fine," and he'd be like, "No, no, no, you need to do it the fucking the old way. Do it the old way." Like, Have you thought about turning on your rusty trombone subroutine? <laughs> that one was created by William Riker, wasn't it? The trombonist. Oh yeah, it was definitely. Yeah. Um, Anyways, after our non-apology, we get to see another flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get oh, and there's there's a great line in here though. Um, so fucking 
Tom Paris uh, tells Tuvok that he's seen the way that Nos looks at him and tells him that he's seen Tuvok look at her like, quote, like someone who wishes he wasn't Vulcan, which is like true. Mm. It's some fucking super hot tea he's spilling. There. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And then in our flashback, we get... Uh, Back to the beginning of the episode correct. on Vulcan, uh, maybe we somewhere. Get young, you know. young Tuvok, which definitely sounds mm-hmm. like a rapper name. Like Young Tuvok could definitely be a rapper. I mean, Tuvok, Tupac, like eh, I think it was obvious. Yeah, yeah that's true. Obvious. That's true. He tells the master that he wishes he hadn't been born on Vulcan, or hadn't been born Vulcan. No, he sorry. wishes. Um, yeah. The master accuses Tuvok of self pity. Mm-hmm. You never want to do that as a as a Vulcan. No. Um, and so he realizes that the, or he, he reveals that the reason he lost control of his emotions was that he was attracted to a daughter of a Torellian diplomat named Jara, um, who is a student mm-hmm. at his school. Uh, the master mm-hmm. asked Tuvok what his re, what would be his reaction if the master had received a letter telling him that Jara was in love with someone else. Young Tuvok, er, he like gets all pissed at that. Like he started, he reacts mm-hmm. emotionally. Um, mm-hmm. very emotionally, I must say, young Tuvok is a... so so so. Hold up here. the The thing that immediately like uh, suspended my disbelief here. Why do they have letters? Letters are the god. They're the most illogical thing when you have warp drive. There's no reason for a I fucking letter. I think you meant letter. to say email. Yeah, hmm. there you go. That that would have made sense, like a email or a text. Like, what would you do if your dad texted me and said? Someone, your bit, your bitch was with somebody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that that's really mm-hmm. what it should have been. I, but because like letters, what the fuck are you talking about? Letters. Yeah, I mean, like Vulcans definitely invented email pretty early on, and but they ne- mm-hmm. they never invented anything like fucking pop. It was you know they what's but it's an email protocol. They they oh. never invented pop. Pop is bullshit. Uh, yeah. Fair. Um, so yeah, the uh, the the master uh, says, uh, "Hey, listen, there was no such fucking letter, uh, and you must enter some training to learn to control your emotions, especially love. Otherwise, it will consume you." So now it's st- starting to come together why Tuvok is so closed up and not willing to mm-hmm. love. So Tom Paris is really correct once again. Even though you disagree, <laughs> but you're wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, I always disagree with everything Tom Ferris does. He's bad. Yeah. Uh, anyways, young Tuvok, he gets all emotional um, after mm-hmm. the the text from the dad or whatever. And uh, yeah, like the the master's like, "Yo, you need to enter training to control your emotions." I literally just covered that. 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 I'm sorry. Back on Voyager, Captain Janeway and the rest of the crew are searching for the lost shuttle, uh, which apparently has been lost for only a few hours from their perspective because in the uh, subspace sinkhole, there's a time dilation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they uh, are like near this like time dilation thing and barely manage to escape and uh, then realize, hey, this is exactly what happened to fucking Paris and uh, Tuvok, and they don't mention the doctor. Yeah, so they, they don't mention the doctor. They is, never mention the doctor. They literally funny. never mention the doctor as part yeah. of the crew, even though he has like the EMH. But I, I will say that kind of makes sense to me because uh, 
they didn't really establish like his sentience until author author which was like season seven somewhere i think that was like one of the last episodes yeah like one one of my only problems with one of my only problems (laughs) one of my many problems i guess with voyager i I like voyager but one of my problems with it is that Mm -hmm. like uh janeway is very dismissive of the doctor in a way that like like consistently pulaski was dismissive of data yeah yeah more so i mean she's also she's also like rightfully dismissive of neelix (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean she she's got decent judgment i'd say decent decent for for sure like better better than like captain archer (laughs) oh yeah uh well anyway okay so they we go to uh like a war room scanning room i don't know they're they're scanning uh, astro astrometrics. Yeah. So they start they start playing with the idea of time debt, which is something I've always thought was really interesting. In the sense that, like, because we we made an album. That's called true. Time debt. That's true. Uh, but because like where the the crew is is like in a gravity well, mm-hmm. essentially, like time moves slower yeah. for them than it does for the the crew on on Voyager, and they realize this, and they're like, oh no, the shuttle must have been down there for like months by their time, right? Yeah, by their perspective. Yeah. Uh, even though it's it's only been like hours, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, they uh, decide to send a multi-spatial probe to contact them because that's basically the only way, especially with the time dilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get an alien vessel that shows up, and it's the same the same alien species that attacked Nos um, the first time that mm-hmm. she appears. And they try to tractor Voyager away from the anomaly. They like send out a, like a tractor beam and all this stuff, and they start pulling Voyager away from mm-hmm. it. And and fucking Harry Kim is like, "Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing?" And he's like arguing yeah, with this guy. Like the first time they're meeting a new species, <laughs> first contact. Arguing like Harry Kim is on the view screen, and he's like, "No, no." I'm going to blow your shit up if you fucking don't uh-huh. let go of that tractor beam right now. I'm warning you. And then uh, fucking Janeway and enters the bridge. Up. And she's and like, what gets, the fuck is silent. going on? He's like, this is Janeway. And then yeah, runs away. Gets, uh, so, Harry Kim, was, badass. He was taking charge. Alpha it shit. Was, I thought it was Alpha really funny. Like, I liked shit. that scene a lot, yeah. actually. Like him just like yelling yeah. at that guy. Like it just all of a sudden. Yeah, and then, no, like, that was, that was super funny. He instantly gets quiet as like, soon as Janeway shows up. They... The, like most of the cast only gets like one or two lines in this entire episode. Harry Kim has the best one or two lines in the entire episode. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, as as the just like throwaway line, just to make sure that like you know he's the cast members in that episode. He has the best part. Yeah, sure, sure. Why not? Chakotay's part sucks. Neelix's part is yeah. the fucking worst. It's not great. Like. Seven's part is fine. She's just being scientific and shit, mm-hmm. though. Well, anyways, the the captain of the alien ship, Superior Yost, hopefully, hopefully Supervisor named after Graham Yost. Yost, the guy who wrote the movie Speed. Um, mm. Hopefully, um, he informs Voyager yeah. that they have lost eleven ships to the anomaly, and that they've decided to close the rift in less than a day. Uh, he was he was ordered to close. Oh, the all right, all right, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, he was ordered to close the rift mm-hmm. um, in less than a day. So they're gonna it's, they're gonna close it pretty soon. Um, mm-hmm. The probe is launched and it detects the distress beacon and reports back that a temporal uh, temporal differential means that every hour that passes on Voyager, like we already knew, could mean one weeks or months have passed on the planet. 
Yeah, they they already yeah. covered this. They cover it again and give us a specific mm-hmm. number, but we just know that like maybe an hour has passed on the Voyager and like months, maybe a year has passed on the planet at this point. Like, and so, they also find out though that like the rift is going to destroy the system inside it even if the if yeah. the aliens don't close the rift like they're still fucked because it's going to collapse yeah. in on itself so that layer of space basically is just going to get fucked which like makes me wonder like is our layer of space is it just going to get fucked like that at some point are we just in a weird time dilation for a bigger God, universe I or a different so. universe that'd be great yeah uh it'd be cool to live on a desert planet class yeah. d get that class d, d for baby. dong uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah, so this is the Chakotay uh-huh. scene, and uh, Chakotay reports this whole time dilation thing, and like Janeway repeats it, and it, it basically just like fills time and makes sure Chakotay gets some lines in on the episode because they already kind of explain this. Is this. true. Uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> so we... except the new revelation is that uh, maybe even if the uh, these new fucking aliens, who I don't think they say the aliens' names at all, do they? Mm. I mean, the guy's name is Supervisor Yost, but like, the alien species I don't think ever has a name, which is weird because it's probably like first contact and they're just like, fuck (laughs) it. It's just another first contact out here in the fucking Delta Quadrant. We don't give a shit. Fucking just, let's let's get out of here. Harry, stop yelling. (laughs) Yeah, Um, they just caught everybody on a bad day. Um, We get another time skip, right? So we go back to the planet. Another time skip has happened. It's pretty far in the future, or you know, a, a, an amount of time has passed. Um, Months, maybe. Still the same season. Still the same season. Uh, Paris returns, and mm-hmm. Tuvok is badly injured. Um, yeah, and so he's got to turn on the. And doc. he turns on the doctor, who has been offline for two months. Uh, we learn. Oh yeah, he's like, how how long have I been offline? And he's like two months. And he's like two months, which was a great. I just love the yeah. doctor so much. Robert Picardo is like in. Incredulity at that was just like, like how wonderful. could you exist without me? Um, yeah, right. Which is a great question. Like, how did they exist without the? Yeah, doctor? and then the doctor kind of is like, Paris, you have to leave me online so I can fix Tuvok. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> will not L- leave me online until he's recovered. Yeah, until he's recovered, and then uh, Nas starts tending to to Tuvok while he is healing. Yeah, we we have another time yeah. skip here. We don't know yeah. how long it is, but. Fucking Tuvok is mostly healed mm-hmm. at this point. So maybe another month or so. Who knows? Yeah. Um, we, we get a scene where he, she tries to kiss him. And he's... Mm-hmm. And yeah, he just he's pushes like, no. her away and he says... He says, don't. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. And then she runs yeah. away. Uh, but then uh, he, he like comes after yeah. her. And they have like a conversation. Oh. She's like, do you feel anything for me? And he's like, oh, I feel nothing but respect and, ad- and appreciation for you. I cannot give her any more. And she's like, you cannot or you will not. Which was a really great line. Um, Yeah. yeah. And she's really mad at him. Because that's that's kind of the crux of the episode is like him working through that and like having that conviction that remains through the Uh episode. Uh, Even though he should really, you know, hit that shit. Like, why why not? He's on a planet. Hit that shit. You're on, you're on a different level of space than your wife. And he doesn't even know that like the, the subspace rift that he's in is like may collapse and just end. Right? Like literally like in, in your wife's timeline, the sex you have is going to take like half a second. <laughs> Think about that. It's, so it's not even a thing. It's like, you know, giving someone a high five. Yeah. It's nothing. 
It's not a think. Think about the relativity of the I'm, timeline. I'm thinking now. about <laughs> thinking about the relativity of this dick. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah the, the relativity of fucking uh, giving them back shots. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tuvok doing logical back shots. Yep. Uh, so yep. she's mad and she's like, "Why are you so logical?" And then he's like, "Well," and then you know. And then she says like, "Kerflockle" in her own language, and Tuvok is like, "Oh fuck, Kerflockle, yeah. me, fuck. fuck!" And then she like runs uh-huh. off. Bad times. Yeah. Um, back on Voyager, the crew has found a way to use mm-hmm. the the probe uh, from earlier as a comm signal. And a transporter relay. So they like, and they're like shooting lasers into the fucking mm-hmm, void here. Totally. And I'm like, what are what are, what are they and, doing? And they're just and so lasers like the, they just kind of reiterate void. like, oh shit, these aliens are gonna fuck this this rift up. We have a limited time to to save them. So cool. Yeah. And the aliens are like, hey, we're gonna do this shit. Uh, fucking six hours early mm-hmm. actually. And and uh, so now they only have two hours. Uh, they need they need two hours, but now they only have thirty minutes to uh-huh. save them. I guess I don't know how they made up. I, this time. I don't know either. Because um, they still don't fully understand what's going on and whatever. <laughs> totally. Back on the planet, yeah. uh, Paris gets mad at Tuvok, and they start fighting. Um, oh, Tuvok is meditating up on a cliff. I mean, what else are you gonna do on the desert planet? I mean, it's it's a pretty cool set. Cat, but like, class D for like, meditate. Um, yeah. yeah, so he's meditating. Paris is like... And it's a different season here, a season called Nighttime. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, that's one of the 14 seasons, right? Maybe that's what she was saying. It's not seasons, but like I've been here for like 14 yeah. days. It's like, been, two, it's been a cool days. two weeks, a fortnight, if you will. Yeah, they, they just didn't understand. Like The doctor couldn't like understand what season was. It was actually there. Uh, she was yes, saying. of course. Um and then Paris is like mad. He's like, "Yo, you broke Nas's heart, and like now she's threatening to leave yeah. because like it's mm-hmm. too painful to be around you because you're just such a dick." And mm-hmm. Tuvok is like, "Nas is under the influence of unfettered emotions." And then mm-hmm. Paris is like, "Well, not not everybody can fetter your emotions, man." And uh, which is pretty pretty cool. I like that line. <laughs> It's a good Tom Paris line. Tom Paris Tom has Paris, so good lines. He's so it cool. Sucks. You're so He's wrong. He's not good. Shut, shut up. Um, shut up. And then uh, I, I, I will give him this. He's not super irritating in this episode, which is good. Like well, he's good he's in this fine episode. In this episode, he's good. He makes logical decisions. He's like no, he's good. He makes he's, no he's decisions fucking... in this. He doesn't have anything to do with the plot. He does too. Like no, no. He's he's always there to be like, hey, Tubok. <laughs> You gotta like fight your training because your training isn't helping you out here, dog. Like he's he's the voice of reason. He's literally the voice of reason in this episode, uh-huh. Spencer. Tom Paris is the voice I, of reason. No, Tom Paris just really wants him uh-huh. to get with Nas yeah, and and Tuvok. Yeah, which is reasonable. Reasonable because Tuvok doesn't want to do Very it. Very reasonable. So like Tuvok's just like yeah, but he kind of does. I don't want to do it. No, Tuvok definitely does want to do it, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode. There's no way Tuvok doesn't want to do yeah. that. There's no way Tuvok doesn't want to do that. I don't know. I don't know. 
No way. I don't. If you don't think Tuvok wanted to do it, I don't think. I mean, he does want to do it, but like he he's conflicted about it. Do it. Conflicted about it. I don't think he. Needs I mean, he's like Tom Paris. No, like, I th- it's it's not that he's conflicted. It's that he's trained not to, like a stupid <laughs> dog. Yes. Um, yeah. Or maybe he's indoctrinated not to. Yeah. There you go. Indoctrinated. Mm, that's weird. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, um, so Tuvok tells him, t- tells Paris, he's like, hey, there's no easy way to recover from infatuation. And he's like, this mm-hmm. is something that I learned from my own like painful personal experiences, like a young man, you know, with Jara mm-hmm. in the memories that we've been like recapping. The, the Torellian yeah. that he was yeah, in love definitely. with. Like he, and so he tells mm-hmm. Paris the story of, of like what happened, um, that he couldn't control his emotions and that they controlled no, him. He, no, 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 no. It does. He says, I mean, he doesn't say this, but he says, long ago, I was super fucking horny. <laughs> That's that's this entire yeah, conversation. That's that's true. And he's like, I was super fucking horny, and I was too yes. horny. Yeah. And Paris is like, but you can be horny. And Tuvok's like, no <laughs> horny. And that's that's the whole. Honestly, I agree. Uh, you're correct. Yeah, which is why Paris is right. Paris <laughs> is right. I distill the conversation of you, and you still don't think Paris is right. I I, I just just well, for no, Paris. Okay, he's not wrong in this circumstance, but like I I still WWTPD, don't think he's, he's great baby. in this situation no he is he's, he's, he's so good not he's he's, not the, best. The, best. he's uh, the best okay so the best we're back on voyager um uh-huh. uh oh sorry no um so wait suddenly like in the middle of their like argument the vortex that brought them mm-hmm. in uh like starts getting weird um be, There's be, yeah, because of the uh, the alien vessel trying to close the rift, and they're like, "Oh!" And also, it's it's closing mm-hmm. on its own, as yeah. they said. Um, Which is is weird. I don't know why they put both of the time constraints on it. Like, yeah, that, that seems they yeah, could have done one or the other. Like it was fine. Writing. Like it doesn't need to be. That, it, it was because it's like they're going to close the rift, but also it's going to close on its own. And I'm like, why? Why do yeah. you need both of those? You could have just like, done one of them. Well, both well, so of them are good. You could have done both of them, but you could have done it in like a better way. Like say like through diplomacy, Voyager got the aliens mm-hmm. to leave, but then they found out that the rift was closing by itself. Like you could have used it right. to up yeah, the Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. Like, that's, I like but that But instead yeah, they yeah. just throw that's them totally both works. out there and it's like there's no need for it. Yeah. yeah. You could have had one or the other and it would have been fine. Um but so, yeah. yeah, anyway, so back on Voyager, they're like, we only have 29 minutes to rescue the the boys, mm-hmm. not the doctor, just the two men that we have down there. We don't care about the doctor. Which which uh, means that that whole conversation right now just took place in one minute. Which I'm like, I don't think this whole thing really works out, like the time dilation. Yeah, I don't know. Because it cut directly from Voyager to the conversation that they had and like directly back to Voyager and it was one minute of time. So I, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of time skips in this episode, but we're there. You know, we're not going to worry about it. Oh. Uh, so they need to get them within a two meter radius of the distress de- beacon. So they send a message, um, in order to and then they they out. find the message, and they it, it comes in all slow. It's like, and then they speed it up, um, and they they're able to hear yeah, what the message says. They just used like Sony Acid <laughs> 1.0 to fucking slow this thing down as much as they yep. could, and it's like, 
Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> stupid. yeah, I like that. That that was fun. Um, but yeah, they speed it up and then they they calculate the temporal displacement. Um, or or Voyager tells yeah. them. Voyager did and yeah. uh, Janeway. Zero point four four four. Sorry, zero point four seven four four seconds per minute. Um, mm-hmm. and they gotta wait over two days to get to the designated coordinates. So, like, they need to get within two. So, so time is essentially a hundred and I think thirty times faster uh-huh. here, or like a hundred and thirty times slower uh-huh. on this planet, which is interesting to think about. So. Yeah. Yeah. So they got two days, mm-hmm. right? Um mm-hmm. however, yeah, as we see, cuts to aliens descending on their uh, their position, getting ready to attack them. Oh no. Cut to commercial. No, oh no. no. Um so on the planet, the aliens have set photon grenades against the force field. Remember the force field of the of NASA's ship that they're in. Um yeah. And so Nas leaves the ship to repair the field generator, telling Tuvok that risking two lives would be illogical, which is correct. Um, yeah. Voyager is le- has less than two minutes to beam them out before the rift is closed, mm-hmm. which, of course, is a few hours from the perspective of the landing party. So, yeah. And at this point, they did something directorially that I really liked. Uh, with the time countdown, they started doing cuts between the planet and between Voyager a lot faster. Uh-huh. Uh, and they did it a bunch, and I really yeah, that was fun. That was um, fun. It was good. Really cool directorial choice. It, it like gave you a sense of like you know urgency, which uh-huh. was really cool. Uh, yeah. Two of the aliens continue to attack the force field while Nas struggles to keep it up. Uh, and it's obvious this is because they only had two extras that they actually took out to the desert yes. <laughs> because it's like it's like before there was a bunch of people attacking, and now there's just like two guys. <laughs> yeah, and and it looked you got to keep it dumb. cheap. You got to keep it uh, affordable. Um, they got that UPN money, baby. <laughs> that, that UPN money, baby. <laughs> the Voyager's all UPN to no money, one baby. ever. Uh, no. So uh, back on, yeah. So they managed to disengage it, and she drops one of them with her weapon, but the other one gets to her and attacks. Fucking back on Voyager, it does one of the cuts that you're talking about. Cuts to Voyager, and they're like, oh, we only have 15 seconds yeah. to rescue them. 15, 15 seconds. seconds. Cuts back to the planet. Mm-hmm. One of the aliens is about to deliver a killing blow to Nas when Tuvok appears and shoots mm-hmm. him. Yeah, yeah, phasers him, which is like, when did they get phasers maybe, again? Maybe you got like one from one of the been... aliens? But a Federation phaser mm-hmm. in the That's Delta Quadrant? That was a Federation yeah. phaser, like... I feel like that would have been really helpful earlier, or maybe they could have killed all the people on the planet mm-hmm. by then. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, that, that was weird. I was like, wait, why do they have a phaser now? I feel like they wouldn't. But mm-hmm. that's fine. We cut back to Voyager when we got nine, eight, seven. Cuts back to the planet. But not seven of nine, no. am I right? <laughs> no. uh, on the planet, an alien breaks into the ship. Paris fights him off. Tuvok shoots him. Four of them gather around the distress beacon. Because they have to be within two meters to be beamed back like the for some four reason. of them? The three of them, right? No. Oh, yeah, the doctor. The I image, forgot. Dog. Yeah, The doctor. <laughs> Everybody forgot. Come on, man. Like, Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't forget about oh, the doctor. Janeway did. Never forget. She was about like, the You were down there? Yeah, Janeway always does. Jane, Janeway, 
And he's like, oh, and, and the computer thing, I guess. Yeah. So. I don't know. I just want Tom Paris back. He's yeah, hungry. she does like that. So then we cut to Voyager, and Voyager's like, four, three, two, initialize transport sequence in Energize. Then on the planet, the four of them are beamed up in the nick of time. Uh, who's Nick? Uh, Nick Cave. Nicholas Time. Oh, yeah. Nick Cave. Uh, Nick Cave in yeah, Bad Times. Exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, more like Nicholas Cage in the bad films. Uh that's disrespectful. Uh, drive angry 3D. Uh, respectful. <laughs> so we're we're back to the we're doing an epilogue now. Um, vo- yep. yep. Shows over. Voyager folks. goes to Nas's homeworld, and Tuvok needs to say goodbye to her. Which is uh, Brooklyn, I believe, or is it Queens? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Nas's homeworld. Uh, That's a Nas joke. The I rapper know. Nas. Um, Paris catches up with Tuvok and he's like, Hey man, like I'm, I'm really impressed with like how you've been able to hide so much of a romantic he is, you know, understanding like how much he cares for. Her. Well, he was like, I, I used to think you were a stone cold Vulcan, but now I realize you're kind of romantic. Yeah, it's... And Tuvok's like, don't tell anybody you cuck <laughs> bitch. And it's a pretty, pretty cool scene. <laughs> yeah. He, only, he basically does. Um, Not really. <laughs> Nasa hugs Paris and says goodbye. And then... Excuse me. Excuse hmm. me. You skipped over the most important part in any Voyager episode. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm I very forgot. disappointed. You, you got to get a fucking Neelix yeah, line do. in here, right? And he's... he's uh, Neelix is like... Oh, I uh, I have an appetite for fried spiders. Uh, Nas here was just telling me it was a delicacy where you were. Hey, no, he tells Paris, and he's Paris like, li- Nas was telling me how much you liked them. Oh, and he's like, and it's a choir taste. And then he's like, but later, Neelix, I'm going to beat the fucking <laughs> shit out of you, you little bitch. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I love Tom Paris. He's going to beat the shit Neelix out of Neelix. Rocks. You go fuck yourself. Nilix sucks. Tom <laughs> Paris rocks. I wish there was a Star Trek Voyager fighting game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would always choose Paris. You'd always be on Neelix, and I would just murk like, you every time. If, like Neelix if, can't if, like, fucking the balance fight. Was fucked up, and like Harry Kim was the most like was like the best character. Like, I think like Harry Kim <laughs> and Kess. Like, but, but oh, oh, it'd be great if it was automatic, so Kess always wins a fight against Neelix. But it'd actually be funnier if it was Neelix always wins a fight oh. against Kess. We hate to see it. Um, Predation. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, yeah. Okay. So then Paris realizes he's like, he gets awkward. He's like, oh, maybe you guys want to say goodbye to each other alone. And he. And he's like, everyone, he's like, get out of the room. They need get to out fuck. Let's all get out of here. And so he like takes everybody out of the room. And um, mm-hmm. and and you know what? They do fuck. And this is what I was talking about earlier when I said Tuvok wants to. Tuvok wants mm-hmm. to. Tuvok wants to so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. he they they don't really show any signs of emotion to each other, but he mm-hmm. does a mind meld with her, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just says simply, I understand. And then beams. Thank yeah, you. Beams down to her homeworld. Mm-hmm. Which which means like, you know what he just <laughs> showed her. 
is, is he showed her like, listen, here's my wife, but here's what I wanted to do to you. And she's like, oh, 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 uh-huh. thank you. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to put that one in the spank bank. Totally. Holy shit. Yeah. That's some, that's some wild stuff, yeah. Mr. Vulcan. Um, yeah. And then we get a final flashback. We get an adolescent Tuvok, mm-hmm. and he has learned to control his emotions. Um, yeah, he's gotten over that jar yeah. of bitch. Uh, the Vulcan master dude is like, hey, man, you did it. You did all the training. Like, you're a master of your emotions. You can return to the world. And that your emotions... Yeah, you've mastered uh, the, the infinite diversity, infinite combinations mm-hmm. philosophy, which is a cool callback to something they talk about briefly in a couple other series. Yeah. And then uh, Tuvok says, I am grateful. Yeah. End of the episode. The end! That's the end. This was a killer Tuvok episode. There's not a lot of Tuvok episode episodes of... either. There, there are, are some, but there there's not that are. many. Especially in early... The early seasons have several Tuvok episodes. Like, Tuvok's a pivotal character. He is, but I mean, compared to some like other characters... The first characters. two or three seasons have tons of Tuvok, man. Um, yeah, and then, like, oh, man, like, some of my favorite episodes are Tuvok episodes. Like, the only Neelix episode I like, uh, where, where Tuvok, like, uh, uh, loses his logic and shit and, like, is basically force gumped. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that that's a, a sick-ass episode. episode. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch of Tuvok episodes, man. To- so many. So many. Like, more than Bolana, more than Tom Paris. Like I don't know. I'd be, be curious to see that. Like, I'm not so sure. I don't feel like there's a lot of Tuvok oh, definitely. episodes. He's, he's, like, he's like the third... He's the person with, like, the third most screen time on that show until Seven comes on. Like, until then, it's Janeway, Chakotay, Tuvok. Yeah. True that. Yeah. Anyways. Like, every every Star Trek has a big three, and until Seven comes on, those are the big He definitely three. gets pushed out once uh, Seven and Nine. Everyone, Everyone gets pushed out. Well, it becomes, like, Seven and Nine and the Doctor, the show, which is, like... Yeah, there are some good Doctor, Doctor episodes, episodes in those later seasons, but, like, <clears throat> I mean, um, yeah, like, after Jerry Taylor leaves, they're just like, all right, uh, here's another shitty Seven of Nine episode. Hey, why don't we bring in the Borg Queen, too? That'll make sense. Yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, it was a solid episode. I enjoyed it. I thought it was solid. Fun. Yeah, I'd give it a seven and yeah. a half out of ten. Yeah. It was, it was above average, for sure, and it was a Tuvok episode, which we always like. Um, it was one that really didn't take place in space much, but I like what they did with the sets that they had in the desert planet, even though the season never changed, even though 14 seasons or whatever. Um, yeah, pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like it. Pretty good. Seven and a half out of ten. What, what uh, I, I, three out of five. Solid episode. Okay. Fair. Mm-hmm. Fair. All yeah. right. Uh, I think it's time for some subspace transmissions subspace transmission subspace transmissions hey ho ho transmissions here we are <laughs> it's the part of the show where we look at stuff on the internet that's goofy um considering we've been casting now for many hours it feels like it feels like it's been a long time we're going to keep this part short and sweet <laughs> Um, so we're going to look at my, like Harry Kim's penis. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, we're going to, we're going to delve into again, my, I think 
what is quickly becoming my favorite source of subspace transmissions, which is Rotten Tomatoes reviews. Um, IMDb are very IMDb fun is good as well. too. There's a lot of tests. Uh, though yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, there's a lot of complaints about wokeness, which I th- always think is funny, and I always like to. Oh, it happens. It happens yeah, on oh, IMDb definitely. too. You just gotta, you just gotta sort yeah, like oh, low that, to high. Always sort and low all to of high. all of the one star reviews. Like, like if someone just doesn't <laughs> like it for like reasons, it's always like two or uh-huh. three stars. If someone doesn't like it because it's too woke, yeah. one fucking star. This is the worst shit I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, but yeah, let's kick things off. Speaking of woke, um, Rotten Tomatoes user Goran S. Uh, gave Star Trek Strange New Worlds one star out of five on June 20th, 2022. Another woke Trek ticking all the check boxes. Instead of respecting the theme tone of Star Trek, though it is not surprising. <laughs> cool. cool. Yeah. It is It is not surprising that, uh, you know... Mm-hmm. They're making a liberally centered Star Trek show. I wish it was more leftistly centered, but it's not, not surprising. surprising. Uh, speaking of not surprising, surprising. YouTube or not <laughs> not YouTube, a uh, Rotten Tomatoes user Simon M gave Star Trek: Strange New Worlds four stars out of five on June nineteenth, twenty twenty two, and said, "I hate to say it, new Star Trek is better than new Star Wars. Much better." If you like old ST with Picard, you love this. <laughs> huh. Not no. not not totally. I mean it's good. It's a different thing though. It's like and and also like saying all new Star Trek is better than all new Star Wars is silly. I mean, uh, new Star Wars is bad though. <laughs> so that's some new Star Wars uh... is good. I liked Obi-Wan. I liked Obi-Wan. I, I, mm. I, I liked Rogue One. I liked The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yeah, like there's yeah. good new Star Wars. And also like there's only one good That's new true. Star Trek That's series. True. So come on, Spencer. That's come true. on. I mean, over, come on yeah, here. Like, like mm. it's a, f- yeah. Yeah, they're, I'd say, I'd say they're on equal footing because they make a lot of bad decisions, but occasionally they're pretty good. And with Star Wars, the one like, factor is anything that Dave Filoni touches is really good. Uh, whereas like Akiva Goldsman has his hands on the best new Trek and the absolute worst new Trek. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I th- maybe like Terry Metalis is the one who, who's fucking everything up because he was involved in Picard, but not fucking um, heavily in Interesting. Strange New yeah, Worlds. Yeah, I don't know. Um, speaking of fucking everything up, yeah. David B. gives Star Trek Strange New Worlds a half star out of five Wow. On June 18th, okay. 2022. <laughs> this one's pretty good. Another franchise wrecked by political correctness, third wave feminism, the typical shaved head macho women act cringe. If this is meant to be like the original, they are way off the mark. The effects are great. I give it that. But... If you want to see a real good Star Trek original, check out Star Trek Continues, a fan-made version. It's much better than this. I've I've heard heard that's actually pretty good. I liked Catherine Janeway in Voyager. Now that worked in Seven of Nine. These women fit the role much better. Some... (laughs) They were white women. (laughs) 
They fit the role of being Some white. advice, stop pushing agendas and focus on story and the characters. Stop making everything just so cringe. This is why TV and movies suck today and why they can never beat the originals. I liked the original, Voyager, and Next Generation, but after that, it just went downhill for me. So this guy's complaining about like uh, haircuts being feminist. I love people who think like haircuts yeah. are political. It's <laughs> pretty funny. Like people are like, oh, fucking blue hair. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude, it's fucking hair. Like all types of people yeah. have blue hair. Like there's a lot of idiot conservatives with blue hair, mm-hmm. believe it or mm-hmm. not. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, like, uh, but also it's funny. He's complaining about, uh, you know, like, Women with their short hair, third wave feminism. <laughs> Fucking seven of nine had short hair. What are you that's talking about? Good point. <laughs> and he specifically. What are you talking about, guy? Seven of nine too. Yeah, pretty good. Um, uh, Ray yeah. H gives it half a star out of five. June seventeenth. Way too PC. Like Little House on the Prairie in space now. Little House on the Prairie wasn't PC. That was made in like the nineteen fifties, dude. <laughs> I don't think it's like, that old. Is it? Uh, yeah, it old seems story. old as fuck. Yeah, I don't know. We're well, talking like the show, like the movie that Disney made or whatever. It was, I think, 70s or something. But Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Gus F. gives Strange New Worlds two stars out of five on June 14th, 2022. He's the predecessor to Gus G. <laughs> Correct. And Ozzy Osbourne for a time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, not to be confused with Gus Fring, which this may actually be, uh, you know. Uh, oh, true, true. The, the villain from um, uh, Better Call Saul yeah, and Breaking yeah. Bad. Um, two stars out of five. Not sure why we can't just have normal writing and normal casting. Why have men in this show at all? I guess the studio forgot there's a Star Trek discovery with a female lead that I like. Why all the female saturation? This in Picard. How about a health balance? Why all over the compensation? Do they not remember Voyager with Janeway? She was a women lead as well. (laughs) Instead of just making a good series with a good balance, I guess there's no men in the future. At least that what Hollywood is pushing down our throats. So, I mean, yeah, all of the men in Picard, like, were incompetent, but everyone in Picard was incompetent. Everyone, every single person. Every single person. incompetent. Every single fucking person, especially in season two, nothing makes sense and everyone's dumb. Um, All right. We're going to close things off with one more. Kirk B. Mm -hmm. gave Strange New Worlds one star. Captain Captain Kirk Kirk B. B? Gave Strange New Worlds... Uh, one star out of five. Kirk B is Sam Kirk. One star out of five. June eighth, twenty twenty-two. Said simply, strange new haircuts. Subspace transmission. Subspace transmissions. Strange new haircuts, indeed. Well, indeed, we are just about near the end of the show. But before we uh-huh. go. Let's say goodbye to some who gave their lives for the greater good. Well, the away team was in a pinch, and somebody had to die. But thanks a lot, time to beam up to the big 
red shirt in the sky. Today, we remember Lieutenant Jackson, who served aboard the USS Enterprise under Captain James T. Kirk. Lieutenant Jackson succumbed to telepathic murder performed by the <laughs> ornithoid Sylvia on the planet Pyrus 7 after she had projected an image of the crewman Jackson and killed the image. Mm-hmm. In one final insult, Kirk refers to Lieutenant Jackson as Crewman Jackson, as I just did, even though he was wearing lieutenant stripes when he died. Damn. So rest in peace among the stars, Lieutenant Jackson, or Crewman Jackson. You may never know. <laughs> and thanks to your sacrifice to the greater good, I guess. And that's it. That's our show. Spencer, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, Spencer.zone. What about you, Britt? Uh, you can find me in a back alley sucking dongs. Tight. But if you want to find me online, uh, <laughs> you can find me at Dog Vorbis. But you know what? Just go to Soy Trek. Search up Soy Trek, the show you're listening to. Soy Trek on any he social. That. So, soy yeah. Trek. That's why I made uh-huh. it the title because it's like my favorite thing to say. Besides, yeah, you really do like saying. Besides, it. go to our website. Website. For Soy Trek. Um, <laughs> no, go to, go to Soy Trek, any social basically, except for TikTok, say, uh, and Truth Social. We don't have a truth yet. Oh, we should have we a should, truth, oh, social. truth Social. Oh, cool. my God. Yes. Oh. That, oh. Mm, do you want to run our Truth good. Social, Spencer? <laughs> really bad. I do. Just like repost <laughs> Q drops, but like replace the names with Star Trek names. No, no, no. No, no, no. Just take Q drops and then put them over images of Q <laughs> from Star Trek and post it to Q. That, that, that would be an, a great automated Twitter. That would be like that the, would be so great. good. Like, uh, I'm going to look into that. Q, Q quotes, funny. automated Q, uh, like hourly Q quotes. It's <laughs> uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, check out Soy Trek uh, wherever you are. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. Captain's log supplemental. It looks like that's all, and it's time for us to warp away. Thanks for joining us, Trekkers. Be well. Travel safe. And as Ferengi rule of acquisition number two hundred and eight says, new customers are like razor-toothed gree worms. They can be succulent, but sometimes they bite back. Hang Hang dong dong and and shocker. Soy, 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 so